Hey, this is Nerf from Channel 93.3 KTCL in Denver, and you are banding with AMZ. What's up, everybody? This is Sean Grant, your host. And on this episode of Banding with Amzie, I sit down with a radio legend, the Golden Ears, the dude that helped make the Denver music scene go from zero to 60 and make it a lot more legit by helping break local bands like Churchill, 888, The Fray, Tickle Me Pink, Single File, and he had a little bit of influence in helping break System of the Down. He's very generous to the Denver music scene, and he's got a dope afro. He's a DJ, an area director, a father, a musician. We sat down in his office for two hours, had a great conversation right before Christmas, and let's get to it. I sit down with Jeb Friedman, or Nerf, as everybody knows him in the Denver music scene, and we had a great conversation. Here it is. Let's start with your story. Awesome. Well, Sean, thank you, first and foremost, for having me on the podcast. Uh, I pictured Two Dope Queens looking a lot different than this. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no, this is, uh, it's an honor. It's good, it. good to be here. <laughs> Thanks, uh, thanks for being on here. I kind of thought I was going to have to schlep all the way out to Brooklyn to do this, <laughs> but uh, no, you know, here no, we, we are. we come to you. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I appreciate that. And uh, when do I get to meet Phoebe and, uh, uh, and In Justin? time, in okay. time. Okay. All right. Um, re- no, uh, all right. So, yeah, my story. Okay, so Littleton High, I'm uh, probably like 15, maybe 16, I guess 16, because I think I was driving at the time. Uh, so I was watching Saturday Night Live and, uh, uh, Nirvana came on and I'd heard Nirvana's stuff, uh, before, but I hadn't really seen them live. And, um, I watch him play Smells Like Teen Spirit on SNL and Dave Grawl, when he plays drums, like, especially back in this day, he had like long hair, he had like, you know, and the cymbals are like way up high hi-hats too and he and i've always kind of messed around with drums and i was in like you know the uh the band instead of like taking like you know choir or whatever and and stuff and so i had like uh, some sticks that i used to play snare with uh and uh and then i saw dave grawl and he just looked like he was having so much fun back yeah. there uh, uh, playing the drums to that song and i was just like I just became obsessed with the song, obsessed with uh, how to play that song. And and so I was like air drumming it in my room. And I was like, well, you know, I could, I could get like parts of it, but I was like, no, that, that this, hi-hat's not this right. This is Teen Spirit? Yeah. Okay. And like, uh, and I, I'm like, I'm like, the hi-hat's not right the way I'm thinking of it. And like, and then the bass drum's not the way, right the way I'm thinking of it. I'm just playing with the sticks, you know, in, you know, in midair in my room. And then, I, like, I, I got so obsessed with how that song worked and how you would play that song that I went out and rented a drum set uh, to to learn "Smells Like Teen Spirit" on the drums. That's right. And then, like, uh, and within the kind of the way it works, if you're a kid and a drummer, uh, you're in a band. You don't have a choice. You're going to be in a band here pretty soon because drummers are rare. Yeah, they, they are. and they always have a, a place to play. You know, it's like if you can practice it all by yourself, then you've got a, a spot and everybody's going to gravitate to that and you're they're going to form a band around you, yeah. kind of almost like it or not, you know? Yeah. So, uh, but, but that was great because like suddenly I was in a band with my 
uh, you know, my three best friends and like, uh, and, uh, we called our band smells like, uh, no, that smells my, like teen spirit, smell my hand. Uh, and it was named after <laughs> my hand. smell my hand. Yeah. It was named after a, uh, Lewis and floor wax bit. Actually, they used really? to, yeah, they used to do this, this game where they would, uh, you dip your hand in something stinky and then go to the apartment next door. And if your neighbor could identify the smell, then you would win whatever they were giving away, whatever prize. And, uh, we just thought it was a, a really funny thing to name your band. And so we like, you know, we're like smell my hand that's awesome but like uh we had songs like squish and uh <laughs> like what was squish uh, about uh it was it was about falling <laughs> from a very large height and it was like were you like skaters and stuff uh yeah bad ones <laughs> you know like uh, uh we didn't know what we were doing like uh but like uh you know it was i, I remember some of the lyrics uh, plummeting accelerating Underwear disimmaculating. Living through this is my only wish. My only hope is that I don't hear the squish. <laughs> that's that's some pretty good poetry for uh, how you were sixty. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was. I, I think I might have invented the word disimmaculating. Disimmaculating. Yeah. This is like ninety two, ninety three, four ish. Yeah. Cause uh, ninety one is when. Uh, that album came out, so it was probably early ninety two. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that was a great year for music. That's I think when like um, like Tool dropped their first EP. Yeah. I think that's when Helmet uh, Meantime came out. Okay. All those ended up being like super influential bands on me, and like you know, so of those guys too. So Nirvana kind of opened the door to music for you, or were yeah. you already listening to like harder music, or was it were you like? Well, I I was into before that. I was I think like Led Zeppelin was probably my favorite band at the time. Uh, pre Nirvana, um, and uh, but I liked ACDC a lot too, and I liked uh, you know a bunch of stuff. Um, in middle school, I listened to like The Art of Noise almost exclusively, like uh, yeah, which is I was a weird kid, uh, and uh, you know, and and like it just kind of took a different meaning on because it's like uh, you know I, I stopped listening to ACDC pretty much like uh, or as soon as I started playing drums because yeah. it's like if you're a drummer, there's not a whole lot to listen yeah. to in that band. Um, and then, like, uh, you know, definitely held on to Led Zeppelin for a few years after that. But by the time I graduated high school, I think uh, Firehose was my favorite band. Okay. Uh, this uh, kind of obscure alternative punk band. Yeah, I've uh, heard you bring them up many times before. Yeah, no, I, I, I still love me some Firehose, man. <laughs> They're great. And the Minutemen was, like, the band that kind of preceded them. And they were very important, like, punk band in Southern California. Uh, very different sounding punk band. In fact, if you listen to it, you're... It's it's not any of the, any of the cliches of what you would think punk sounds like. So yeah. it's like kind of um, actually their most famous song is uh, they, they used it in Jackass. Uh, the the theme for Jackass oh, was the, uh, the intro. Yeah, that jingly like that's a song called Corona by the Men. Yeah. And uh, and like uh, their all their stuff was very jazzy and like uh, and and very not very distorted, you yeah. know. And uh, so it's like. Kind of, you know, every drum riff was different too. It was like uh, uh, there was a lot to dig into on that band. George uh, George Hurley was an amazing drummer, and like, uh, and you just wouldn't hear him play the same thing twice. Yeah. He kind of approached it a lot differently than most drummers, you know. So, uh, so totally fell in love with that band. Plus, it's like there's like 42 songs on some Minutemen records, you know. So it's like you, there's a lot to dig into, you know. It's like there was ample fuel for the fire and like were, uh, were they like two minutes long yeah they... uh if that like dripping wet yeah they'd be two minutes long they're like um 
Yeah, no, I mean, there's there's some that are well under a minute. Um, later on, I found out that like they they didn't call the band the Minutemen uh, because all the songs were a minute long. They actually, which everybody kind of assumed, it was actually supposed to be pronounced the Minute Men because they were like insignificant. They yeah. were like you know because uh, at their core they were like a working man's band. Yeah, you know they they were like they jam Econo. They're not thinking about like you know being rock stars in the stadium and whatever they just like you know they were like you know these gritty kids from san pedro california which is like a you know harbor town and stuff and and uh and so and that that's like at the end of the day i think that's what punk rock is kind of all about is like the like working class music it's very much like uh um rooted in the same types of things that hip-hop and country are yeah uh you know because like and in fact i mean this is kind of like a cool point in history and we're getting way off topic now but like you know kind of cool uh to think about like um punk and hip-hop both came from the same thing it was a reaction to disco and and, and like because disco was really hot really everybody was like into it at the same time for kind of a hot minute yeah but it's also very expensive and it's like if you think about like you know getting into studio 54 uh, uh, like, you know, that's an arm and a leg right there. So spending way too much money on drinks and cocaine and whatever was going on at the time, uh, dressing really nicely. Yeah. All this stuff was like, it was for rich people. And so the poor kids like all kind of said like, well, what do we do? Yeah. You know, and like, and, and kind of, you know, had to come up with their own thing. And so punk came out of that and like, so did, um, uh, hip hop because, you know, it's like they, if you don't have the scratch to go to a club, you throw a party instead. Yeah. And so it's like hip hop came from like, a, you know, uh, a guy standing on the street trying to get people to go to his party. And, uh, and he would uh, get on a microphone and start like saying how good the DJ was going to be yeah. at the party. And like, so you'll want to come dance at this party and like, you know, and that was the MC. Yeah. And it's like, and it, it's funny how long the, the whole, uh, you know, guy talking about his DJ thing lasted into like, you know, when it was a commercial thing and yeah. like, you know, still, you know, there, there's Jazzy Jeff records yeah. and there's like all that that like still had like at least a whole song yeah. talking it, about the DJ. It was know? all about the, the DJ and hip hop. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like they were like the, the, the band master. Like they yeah. were like the front man almost. It yeah. seemed like. They were like it, originally in, uh, you know, at the roots, the DJ was the important one. The MC was just hyping him. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's so. crazy to think about now, like how it's yeah. like, completely like there's not even DJs really. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like, uh, you know, my, everybody, you know, thinks of thinks more of Little John than they do of uh, DJ Snake. You know, yeah. it's like, uh, but uh, but yeah, no, it's not the case. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So did you get into so you were into Nirvana? Yeah. Did back you to get the story, into. I guess. Punk rock, digging deeper into like Dave Grohl's roots because I know he was a big punk rock. Dude. Yeah, scream and all that stuff. Uh, um, I I gotta say it's like I, I took a little hiatus from it. It was because uh, you know in Littleton where I grew up, uh, there's KZY and KBPI, you know, and uh, and like and I kind of had an aversion to both of them because if you think about the time this was Nirvana was a, a real big revolution, uh, you know, and, and like, but it took a while to kind of extract those radio stations from the hair metal thing. Yeah. And so it, uh, and I really wasn't into hair metal. I like, uh, um, you know, I kind of despised it and like, 
uh, even BPI, who now like it, it you know, kind of acts like they invented Metallica. You yeah. know, like they wouldn't play it. You know, back in the day, we uh, were like so frustrated that they didn't play anything off of Injustice for All. You know. Uh, and I was I was into the metal back then, but I didn't really get exposed to alternative or punk outside of like Nirvana and and like Firehose. Uh, didn't have much to like much influence uh, uh, or many influencers, I should say, uh, on alternative until I went to college in California. Because okay. uh, if you were in Littleton, you couldn't get KTCL. We were uh, the station was still up in Fort Collins. Was and- it an alternative station? then yes but probably it might have been changing to an alternative station around like 93 or 94 when i yeah no i remember it being like playing like you know violent femmes and stuff like that when i was uh when when we would go we'd go up to paris on the plat uh to smoke cloves and like you know and (laughs) And, and and drink way too much coffee and like uh um that was back when it was seedy up there it was scary it was like under a viaduct and stuff it was like you know, it was kind of a nightmare. Like, I, if my parents ever saw where I was going, I, they knew. Like, I was like, "I'm going to Paris on the Platte." They're like, "That sounds lovely." Yeah. You know, like. <laughs> but uh, when we got that far north, you could sometimes get TCL, and that was yeah. like, uh, um, that was the only time that I ever heard it. And like, and I, I remember tuning it in, going like, eh, "This song's kind of garbage, but it's garbage I haven't heard before." You yeah. know, and like, uh, and like, you know, like, okay, you know, like, let's go in and get a clove, and like, uh, you know, <laughs> like that was, and so we'd go into Paris on the flight, uh, like, but, so, uh, yeah, I, I didn't have a whole lot of relationship with alternative rock until uh, a little later, and like when I got out to, to California for college um, in LA, uh, there was uh, KNAC, which was the, the active rock station out there, so that was kind of what I knew and understood it was a lot like bpi and then there was kroq which uh uh uh, was the alternative station out there and and they were like um you know and i was impressed with k-rock like they from the get-go like uh early on i was like wow um they're gonna they they had this christmas show and they uh called almost acoustic christmas and they had every significant band i mean Primus and like you know all these awesome '90s bands, and they broadcast the whole thing on the air, you know, like the, the full set of all these bands, and it was so rad. And I, I I I dubbed the whole thing. I taped the entire show, gave it to my brother for Christmas. Like the the set, it was like four full cassettes of That's like a, of the of this. So you whole, like sit there and like change over the yeah tape. yeah totally like uh, you know watching it like stop click flip it over flip it over you know go, like go. you know. And uh, and I was really impressed at first, and then like later, it's like you know you like eventually every radio station you kind of learn all their tricks and you get a little yeah. bored with it, and so I was like all K Rock. Later on, I was like you know rolling my eyes at it and stuff, but uh, uh, you know, but and then I ended up working there for uh, <laughs> you know my first job in radio. So let's back up a little bit. So you went to to college. Did you go for music? They, I mean, I went to a very small school called Whittier, okay. and it's uh, it's eleven hundred students total, so it's tiny. Um, and uh, I went to study philosophy. Okay. Uh, that that was kind of what I was into. I I got some advice, and it's it actually stands up a little bit from a guy who was uh, I think he was I'm trying to remember. I think he might have been a, a pathologist, uh, a, a doctor that studied pathology and I always loved science stuff. Um, so, but he said like undergrad, like you don't really have to study biology as long as you get the requirements for pre-med and you take the MCATs, you know, like if you want to be a doctor, 
you're all set. Study what's interesting to you. Yeah. You know? And, uh, and so like, I was like, okay, well, I've always been interested in philosophy. So like, uh, um, so I studied philosophy. I had ended up with like a, uh, enough credits for a music minor and enough credits for a psychology minor. Uh, but, uh, uh, really a bit, the uh, school that's uh, that size, the requirements sometimes only happen every other year. Okay. So like making it work with your schedule is like really tough. And so yeah. I, I wasn't able to, to get all the classes I needed for those minors, but, uh, uh, but I did end up studying a lot of music and, okay. and, uh, and, uh, yeah, I took, uh, class uh, music of Africa and music of Latin America from a guy named Danny Lozano, who was like amazing. He was a really cool teacher. Didn't I, uh, didn't always get along with him, but I recognized that yeah. he was like rad for what he was. He used to like play like salsa in these clubs in LA yeah. and stuff. And he was like, you know, he was a, an amazing professor, but, uh, uh, and, and found a lot of that stuff very, very interesting. Yeah. And it was cool. I've noticed good professors you usually don't get along with. Yeah. They're, they're, like, they're the ones they, that challenge yeah, you, right? Exactly. You know? Yeah. They make totally. sure you're getting your money's worth. Yeah, exactly. Um, so was your end goal to be a doctor? Am I, it, I had it. I was kind of, I don't know. I was considering it. You know, you never know like what, uh, <laughs> you never know what like, uh, you're going to end up actually doing, but like, you know, I, my goals at the beginning of college were, uh, first career choice, rock star, <laughs> second career choice, uh, radio DJ, third philosophy professor, and then probably fourth would have been doctor. Okay, <laughs> which is so. So weird. was doctor like your your backup backup? Like What's it was it? like yeah, I could make money doing that. It, like the that ranks shifted thing? around every once in a while. You know, it's like uh, Rockstar was always pretty much on top. But like uh, the uh, um, but I'd take like a, a biology class and I'd love it and, and, and ace it. Just like uh, like I'd find it easy. For some reason, it's like. You can remember some things, and then other classes, it's impossible. It's like yeah. mathematic equations. I, I don't know, man. I'd never remember that stuff. But, like, you know, uh, every bone in the human body, psh, easy. You know, <laughs> like, uh, uh, like a xylem and phloem in botany, you know, and, like, uh, all, like, uh, plant, um, you know, cell components and stuff. Jeez, I could, like, memorize that stuff for days. I loved it. Like, uh, and they just eat, ate it up. Um, but, and, like, and I... I guess at some point I, I, I would like consider leaning into my strengths rather than my interests, Yeah, you know? And I say, ah, oh, I should just study science. I should just do this. And like, you know, and, and then I'd be like, oh, but man. When that anxiety like boiled up in you. Like... Yeah. Well, anyway, by the end of college, my, the, the career choices I kind of thought were just in tatters because my college radio station went under after my freshman year. Okay. My, uh, the, the school ended up fighting me on the practice space that they had promised me, uh, when they were recruiting me, like, uh, uh like at every turn, there was like a, a fight about it, you know, uh, didn't want me to like, they gave me a space, but I had to join the wind ensemble and I had to take private lessons. Then they said, Oh, and you can't keep your stuff in there. You have to set it up every time. I was like, where do I keep it in my dorm? Like, yeah. you know, like, and then, you know, and then like, uh, eventually they moved me to a shed in back of one of the professor's houses. And it was what? like, it leaked, it had mold. Like you could see the guitarist turning green in my band, you know, just like, yeah. it was, he was like getting sick from like just the being in that damn shed. Um, you know, all this stuff. And it was just kind of a, a, a constant like fight with the school about like, you know, they promised me a place to play my drums and they didn't really deliver, you know? And, yeah. uh, and so 
I thought like, you know, the rock star thing's shot now, you know, like, <laughs> like <laughs> I would have had that if they hadn't stopped me. Uh, like the, uh, and then, and then the radio thing seemed shot. And then like, you know, and by the time I, I graduated with a degree in philosophy, I was like so tired of it. I was yeah. like, I'm like, Oh man, I don't want to write another paper on this ever. And yeah. So I was like, well now what, you know, I graduation and, and, uh, and so I started my first job out of, out of school was at a cigar shop, uh, which I loved, actually. It was kind of a fun job. Uh, and then right after that, I kind of decided I was going to sell out. You know, I'm yeah. like, I need, a, I need a job that actually pays. And yeah. so, uh, like, uh, I interviewed and got a job at this uh, uh, burglar alarm company and, like, uh, customer service and uh, service dispatch and all this stuff. And I, I was... It was an interesting job because I was like talking to all these incredibly famous people on the phone. Yeah, uh, like it was in the this was out in California. Yeah, still? yeah, okay. still out there. Uh, like, uh, and so like Danny Elfman, you know, from Oingo Boingo. Yeah, Blingo, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, he wrote the Simpsons theme. He wrote yeah. like, you know, ha- like it, Nightmare Before Christmas, right? Yeah, all those soundtracks. Like, yeah. Incredible genius, you know. Yeah, I'm talking to him on the phone. I'm talking to like uh, Pia Zadora. I'm talking to like uh, you know um, Stan Lee. Like the, the comic book, yeah, that's crazy. And then, like, if you ever remember, like, you know how, uh, like, uh, every Hulk episode back in the day used to start off with him narrating, and it'd be like, "This is Stan Lee," <laughs> and like, and I picked up the phone, I was like, "West Texas Security," and he's like, uh, "He's like, this is Stan Lee," and I was like, "Oh my god, <laughs> it is!" You know, like, <laughs> and uh, anyway, so it was kind of an interesting gig, but like, I had this total asshole boss. And uh, the Broncos were in the Super Bowl playing the Green Bay Packers. And I was like, I'm like, I'm taking the day off. I got to see this. You know, it's like, you know, hey, we stand a chance. We might win this thing, you know. And like, of course, nobody was favoring them. But like, you know, I'm from Denver. So (laughs) fuck, yeah, we have a chance. I'm delusional. Uh, So like um, anyway. And so uh, I was like, I want the day off. I'm going to go back to, to, you know, near campus, uh, hang out with some buddies and watch it, watch the game. And, uh, And he's like, nah. Uh, I make the schedule the way it is for a reason. If you don't like it, then uh, find another job. And I was like, "What the fuck am I doing here anyway?" You know, it's yeah. like, uh, like, and so immediately, like the next day, started burning up the, the the fax machine with resumes, sending them to like record labels and radio stations, and like, uh, like I want to work in music. What am I doing? I'm wasting time. And, yeah. And uh, finally got a call back from uh, from K Rock and interviewed. I mean. LA is weird. It's like it, media and entertainment. They're they're so into it. It's just like almost creepy. Yeah. And like and so there's 400 people that went out for the job to drive the van. 400. 400 people interviewed out of 400 people, and they gave out four jobs. And uh, wow. And like uh, uh, Rich Rubin, who uh, uh, was uh, Rubin on our station for a long time, he was uh, one of our jocks. Uh, he and I got hired and fired on the same day. <laughs> really? <laughs> like, uh, yeah. And he's back out there now. He w- now he's on the air at K Rock, and like, uh, which is a big dream of his. And yeah. And uh, and so uh, so he kind of he returned like the salmon of Capistrano. But uh, <laughs> and then I got I got that gig in uh, at K Rock and totally fell in love with radio though instantly. It was like six bucks an hour, you know basically like humping crap across the sand at the beach and like handing out stickers everywhere yeah. and like, you know, not a glamorous job, but like so much damn fun. So is this like late nineties? Uh, yeah, yeah, that'd be like uh, February of 98. I okay. And, um, and then, uh, Rich actually got us a gig on a, a pirate station called KBLT. That was my first like on air shift that I ever did. 
and uh, and Mike Watt of uh, to bring it back to the Minutemen and Firehose. Yeah, he was an- another jock on the station. <laughs> it was in Silver Lake, and uh, like our, our one of our big claims to fame is that Beck did an interview for us when he wouldn't do one on K Rock. Really? Yeah, That's and like right. uh, and he put the station on the map, and it's like uh, it was got written up in the LA Weekly as like one of the 20 best things about LA and like uh and this you know rinky dink little pirate station it was cool i found out later they wrote a book about it uh it's called 40 watts from nowhere uh, i've got i think i might have a kblt sticker oh yeah that orange sticker over there okay is a kblt sticker um but like uh yeah, it was all pirate. We didn't even know anybody's names uh, other than Mike. You know, <laughs> <laughs> pretty sure I knew who Mike Watt's name was. But like, uh, but yeah, and they wrote a book about it. It's kind of, it was kind of cool. They mentioned us very briefly at the very end. But really, uh, yeah, you just get a small little. Yeah, a little. It was like they're playing some heavy stuff on the Three Straight Guys in a Closet show, and like <laughs> that was that was our show. And Three Straight Guys in a Closet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 it was it was uh, me and Ruben and uh, a guy named Jake, uh, who uh, on the air went by Mr. Frigley. Mr. Frigley. Mm-hmm. It was okay. Nerf, Mr. Frigley, and number three. That our- actually. So how did you? When did? Because your name is obviously not Nerf. Right. Yeah. No. Jeb Friedman is the the actual name. Um, and how did you get Nerf? Well, uh, that was a that was a college nickname. Just you know, my head look spongy like a nerf ball you know the froze like just kind of a you know making fun of my hair i guess and uh and uh, so yeah i was in, in my fraternity they're like uh you get like a, a one nickname that kind of sticks yeah and it, they call it your mug name because that's the one that actually goes on your fraternity mug and okay. like uh and so uh mine is nerf and like uh and so i was at k-rock uh wanted to be on the air at k-rock you know and uh but i was just driving the van and uh, so they had, uh, at the time and forever, uh, had a Jed the Fish. And so I knew that they weren't going to have a Jed and a Jeb on the same station. This would be too confusing. So yeah. I, I figured I had to start going by a nickname. And, and so just went with the old college nickname. And so it was, it was Nerf. Nerf is good. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> it's not actually great for radio because it's got a soft ending. Yeah. You know, it's like uh, we, at one point we had an Alpha F and a Nerf. It was all ending in that F sound, and yeah. it's like it's difficult to speed your way through it and talk fast and say nerf in the middle, and you know it's like yeah. slows you down. And so there's like like a number of reasons where it's why it's not a great radio name, but it, it like, sticks out though. Yeah, yeah. I've never come across another nerf yeah. other than you know the the spongy toys. Yeah. When <laughs> when I was like like checking researching you to see uh, other interviews. All it was like the best Nerf toys, yeah. like and yeah, that's all I could find. It's like uh, I don't know if this is the DJ. He says he's a javelin <laughs> or something. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, and I've I, so far I've never been like sued by them or anything like that either. So that's good. That's really good. Mm-hmm. C- could you be sued for just using it as a radio name? I don't know. I, don't, I, I feel like uh, yeah, I don't think you could. You're not like selling yeah anything similar, right? Yeah, and it's your I mean, own it's, territory. Yeah. It's intellectual property, but at the same time, it's like, I don't know, did they invent the word? I'm not sure they did. Yeah. They might have trademarked it, but like, uh, you know, because like, I've heard people use it like uh, on The Office. Uh, was some Somebody was talking to, about Michael and said like, oh, you're... You live in your nerfy, nerfy little life. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, you're, you're taking nerf little risks. And like, you know, like uh, something about like, you know, uh, sitting on your biscuit, so afraid to risk it. It was uh, Craig Robinson's <laughs> character saying this. It was 
really great line. And I was like, ah, but nobody uses uh, sound bites from TV shows yeah. anymore on the air. So I never Too bad. It. Yeah, well, it was kind of a 90s thing. Yeah. It sounds a little dated. Did they have the boards back then? Like the sound boards? The little, yeah. Well, they had something called a shortcut 360 that was like that. It was like you had this like numbered buttons up along the top and then a little scrubbing wheel, you know, and like uh, and, and a little kind of uh, LCD screen with the waveform on it, you know, yeah. and you'd take calls with it. You'd hit record and then it would like, you'd see it like, you know, writing out the song and then like, a, you know, rewind it with a little scrubby wheel to like edit it and stuff. And you'd have all your sound effects in there too. So when you started in radio after you got your job, was it like a tape and cause like like cassettes, right? That you would like put yeah. in a machine? Yes. I mostly know. cassettes. The, actually it was I, I thought I was gonna be all hot shit because I was like uh, I got a CD burner. I think my parents gave it to me for like a uh, uh, like a birthday present or something like that. And this is when like, you know, a 56k baud modem whatever like it you know was like that was also hot shit you know yeah. people were barely on the internet at the time you know uh so uh so making an air check which is like a, a demo for radio making an air check on uh, uh on a cd was like whoa you're sending a cd <laughs> hey look at you and like uh and so yeah no but i mean Years later, I mean, like, I'd, I'd still get cassettes, you know, as far as people sending in, asking for a job and stuff. So, uh, so yeah, cassettes were around for quite a while. So, but, yeah, we'd uh, go into the, uh, the K-Rock studio and make demo tapes. And Kevin Weatherly, the PD of K-Rock, who still is out there, was awesome. He was nice enough to, like, give us tips and, like, uh, you know, and actually listen to our tapes. And uh, that dude's busy. And, like, yeah. uh, and so I was, I was always really impressed that he gave us the time of day. And, yeah. Like, uh, you know, and. And uh, you know, got him to thank. It was it was def definitely encouraging. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny how like just that small little gesture from somebody like that will like make a huge difference. Yeah. And uh, I mean, you kind of do that now. Yeah. Is that like a like a homage to him? I mean, I feel like you, in the local scene at least, give everybody a chance. Like you listen to their music. Yeah, I think. I I don't know. There's something about like giving somebody their break, man. I mean, like if if you ever get a chance to do it, take it. You yeah. know, it's like I mean that's because like uh, like that's how you know progress is made. How you know history gets made. It's like it's kind of like for everybody that is successful and influential and like and and you know means something to somebody. There's somebody that that uh, that said I don't have a good reason to mess with this to to uh, to like uh, give an ear to this person or this uh act or this whatever but i'm going to just because who knows yeah you know maybe it's a maybe it's worthwhile and like a, and and you know and i i i always take umbrage and there's still like a lot of radios like this where the music director or the program director will have like a bunch of unopened mail laying around and not open it until a record label, somebody that's paid to, yeah. calls them and says, "Hey, did you get this?" And like, uh, did you listen to it? And no, you know, like, uh, and it's always kind of bummed me out that people are like that. It's like, why do you get into this business if you're not dying to know what's in that envelope? Yeah, you know, it's like, I mean, I remember walking into K Rock and the uh, through this like back door entrance that they made us go through, and like, you know, it was uh, like through the mail room, and uh, and I remember seeing like these big bins full of mail and thinking to myself, wow, 
I want to get mail from Interscope Records. Yeah. I want to get something sent to me from Epitaph. I want to get that, you know, and like, and I thought that was so cool. And like that, that, you know, if you, if you're getting mail from a record label, they're like just dying to send you something for free for you to listen yeah. to it and consider. Yeah. I'm like, you've made it, man. Yeah. It's like, that's awesome. It's they like, care they, about your opinion yeah. to like send you their new music or, or whatever. Yeah. But I mean, I thought that was so rad and that, and then I get, you know, and then I find out that, a lot of that mail just sits there, you know, I'm like, oh, that's tragic, you know? So, yeah. I mean, I, I've always had a policy of I, I'll listen to everything no matter where it comes from. Um, cause I find that cool that people are sending it to me, you know, yeah. it's a, uh, it's, it's pretty rad. And like, um, you know, I, I, I say that and I don't want anybody to get the, you know, the, this image of me like listening to like, you know, thousands of tracks over the course of yeah. a day. It's like, sometimes it's like you turn it on. It's like, that's country. And you stop, yeah, you know, yeah. it's like, that is not for me. Um, and like, you know, so it's, it's not like I'm all day listening to, the, yeah. to these things. Cause it's like, and you'd be surprised that it's not as, uh, it's not a, as much of a floodgate open type of scenario as you would imagine. And I talked to A and R's about that too, about yeah. like, a, you know, they're like, you probably get more tracks than I do. And I'm like, that's weird. You know, it's like, uh, you'd think that, you know, your mailbox would be loaded with stuff like, yeah. uh, you know, coming from all over the place, trying to get signed, you know, totally. and, um, but like, uh, you know, they have to, they end up having to go out and look for it, you yeah. know? And well, I, I feel like that too. with you, it's because you're, like an A and R has this like, like me being in a band, it's kind of scary to look in an A and R and be like, oh, I'm gonna send my music to them. But for you, it's like, well, Nerf will at least take a <laughs> listen. Like it, it seems like a like a cool older brother that's gonna like, like tell you the truth, you know? Yeah. Well, that's that's also kind of like I feel like that's by design with our our station. It's like we've, uh, I remember like you know that. And I, I don't I mean I don't want to drag KBPI because they're great and like you know but like uh, I remember growing up listening to them and it was the mighty BPI it was the big bad BPI with these guys with voices that are just like wow man that guy sounds so cool and like uh, and it's just like this this big thing and it was like kind of like talking down to you it was like they're you know they seemed better than me yeah. you know and like and uh, our part of our chemistry here at, uh, at, at TCL is that we just never do that. It's yeah. like, you know, we, we want to speak at eye level to everybody and like make fun of ourselves. And like, you know, it's, it's ne never this, like, you know, we're the media giant, you know, or yeah. whatever. It's like we, as successful as we might be, we just never take that attitude. Uh, you know, it's like, it's always, you know, we're part of the community, not above it. You yeah. know? And I think that one of the factors, and it's kind of funny to think about, but like one of the factors that makes it so, I think like uh, local TV has taken a, just an ass beating recently. It's like doesn't make anywhere near the amount of ratings or money that, um, that it used to. Yeah. And I think local media in general across the board is like that too because I, of Anchorman. I honestly think really? it had a lot to do with the movie Anchorman. Like, you know, pointing out that this guy in San Diego, you know, that thinks he's king shit of the poo-poo <laughs> people is, like, just so ridiculous. And, like, yeah. you know, and, like, and he's reading the news. You know, that's all he's doing. He's not that big a celebrity. And it's, like, you know, it's, like, what what's the big deal about that? Kind of a big deal, you know? Yeah. It's, like, and, uh, and so it's, like, we, you know, we never want to have that attitude. It's, like, yeah. uh, um, you know, and so... Yeah, I, I, it's it's awesome to me to hear somebody say that. Yeah, I feel like I can comfortably send you something and you'll listen to it and give it a fair shake. And I, yeah. you know, I hope so. I hope that uh, that attitude of like, 
hey man, we're just, you know, I'm a C student from Littleton High. <laughs> you, know, like, like, you know, it's like, yeah. don't, don't be afraid of me. You know, it's like, whatever. Yeah. I lived down in LA too. I went to school out there and oh, cool. one What's of cool? the reasons uh, I went to MI musicians Institute. Okay. Okay. Like right off Hollywood Boulevard. Right on. Awesome. I think probably when you were out there, it might've been called GIT or something. Okay. Oh uh, yeah, Guitar uh-huh. Institute of yep. Technology. Yeah, like right across from uh, Guitar Center, right? Like a. Um, oh I'm, no, that's Sunset. Yeah, it might have moved. Okay. But yeah, I think it's. I, I know. It's I remember. Been in Hollywood for since the eighties. Okay. So. What, do you remember the cross street Hollywood and what? Hollywood, you know where the Ripley's, believe it or not, yep. like Hollywood, like by that's right fine, by the Kodak it? Theater. Is that the Highland maybe? Uh, Highland, yeah. Highland, yeah. Uh, okay, so what year was that? That I went there. <laughs> yeah. I went there 2008 through 2010. Okay, so uh, later after I was out, out here already. Uh, like, okay, so I lived about seven blocks up Hollywood Boulevard at Hollywood and Western. Okay. Yeah. Like, uh, uh, so that was like, you know, when I was at K Rock, they were in this horrible yeah. building, looked like it burned down. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, like they still look like that. In Hollywood. Yeah. yeah, the building's still there, <laughs> yeah. and it still looks like it had burned down. But the neighborhood has gotten a little better because they they put a uh, an MTA station, like a, a subway station, uh, oh, across yeah. the street. Yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, and like uh, and then like they they built a Ralph's out there and stuff, and yeah. it's a, it's much nicer than it used to be. But I got <laughs> it was a random place, man. I got my Jeep stabbed. <laughs> stabbed? Stabbed. Somebody like, stabbed my canvas top. It's like ah. Some crackhead is like junkie method. I don't know. Sounds like, like Hollywood. Yeah, <laughs> like I've got a long story, way too long to tell now about the 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 day that I left LA to come back to to Denver. Uh, I call it the escape from LA story, and it's like, uh, uh, and it well, it's actually takes place over three days total. But it was just the the project of getting out of there. It includes uh, an anthrax scare, a, uh, a a meth lab being busted in my building, um, like some horrible horrible uh, choices made by yours truly. Um, <laughs> so like, I mean, just like you know, L.A. County hazmat coming to the rescue, like uh, uh, a lot of police vehicles. Uh, like I mean, it's it's an epic. It sounds oh, like and a story diarrhea. I want to it also it's <laughs> it's a good one. I think that might be more for the narrator's podcast, <laughs> but like, uh, um, but which is next awesome. time. But yeah, exactly. Um, but like, yeah, no, it's like. But I lived in that that area, and it was so fucked up, man. Yeah, it was like a, it was my, crazy. My first day walking to school, uh, like straight out of the suburbs, yeah, Hollywood Boulevard, walking down the street with my backpack on. This homeless dude is just taking a dump right in the middle of Hollywood Boulevard. Nice, Classic. and uh, it was a it was a good welcoming to uh, to Hollywood. You know, it's uh, this is how random Hollywood is and how sketchy. So, uh, shorter story: uh, I come out of my apartment and I had saved up some money uh, for Taco Bell because that's a that was a big deal to me at the time to be able to afford Taco Bell because I was like. I mean, I was still making six bucks an hour and living, you know, in L.A. Yeah. anywhere. And it was like so it was, you know, really meager living that I was making. And so I scraped together my my change and I was going down to Taco Bell, which was a few blocks down Hollywood Boulevard. And, and I was all excited. And I'm like, and so I'm like, I'm rolling down like, I, you know, just like almost whistling and skipping, you know, because I'm excited to eat some real food. Real food, Taco Bell, uh, and like, uh, and uh, and I, I kind of just glanced back, and there's this uh, rather large 
uh, African American gentleman uh, walking behind me, and like, uh, and, and I'm just uh, still kind of like, okay, <laughs> don't think much about it, and like, uh, you know, and then I and like I happen to kind of look back again, and he stops dead in his tracks, and he, and he says, "Hey, man, we cool?" And I was like, <laughs> and I'm like, this is the the point I'm at in my life. This guy thinks I'm gonna mug him. <laughs> like I must have looked desperate and fucked up and like, scared. He's like, he's like, he's like, yo, scary dude. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, oh my god, I should eat something. You know, like, yeah, like, this is terrible. I'm so broke. Hollywood's probably been cleaned up a lot more since then. Yeah, yeah, because definitely that neighborhood didn't, has. Didn't back in the day they used to have like. They call them like the angels, something like dudes in like guardian angels, guardian angels, yeah, yeah like M16s, yeah, like walking had, around. We had those in Denver too. They're like, really, yeah, yeah. There's, I think there's like some kind of office for them on uh, Colfax somewhere. And, I mean, I don't really know a lot about it. But it's it's just... like a, like organized vigilanteism. Okay, you know, uh, like yeah, no, it's it's a little scary in yeah. and of itself, yeah. you know. And so it's like kind of yeah, but I, I remember them having a presence down there too, and you know. Uh, yeah, there was some random stuff that happened in that neighborhood. So why did you move back to Colorado? Oh, I uh, I got I was I was in the process of sending out air checks and like on CD, eh? <laughs> um, and uh, I was hoping to get on the air. You know, it's like I was uh, still driving the van, and you know that was a little frustrating. Six bucks an hour is not a lot to live on, and it was like I don't know how long I'm gonna be able to do this, and. So I, uh, I was sending out air checks, and I sent them to the end in Seattle and 91X in San Diego and I think Extreme Radio Vegas, uh, long since been renamed X in Vegas, uh, but uh, and TCL and the Fox and KBPI because, you know, Denver being my hometown, I knew a lot of stations here. But basically, I, I sent air checks to every radio station I could think of, you know, okay. I, could, I could identify. Um, and uh, finally... Uh, I didn't get any response back from the air checks. Uh, like, and then, uh, and then I got fired <laughs> from K Rock. Like, in the process, right in the middle of it, um, like a, a bunch of us, they were kind of cleaning house because a lot of the van drivers had been there like for like four years, making six bucks an hour. Really? It's like, yeah, which is like, and and promotions is a thing you kind of burn out on, and like if you're not happy and like you know outgoing anymore like as a promotions person you're yeah. just kind of like you're not doing anybody any good and yeah so they were kind of i think they're kind of cleaning house and get to get rid of some of the people that have been there longer than me really and like uh but i kind of got swept out with them and so did ruben and we the it's a it was they they pinned uh like drinking on the job you know oh, okay. as the reason but they, I mean, they were my, just looking for an excuse. Yeah, my promotion director had bought me drinks on the job. You yeah. know, it's like so it was kind of like okay, whatever. But you know, one way or the other, we're like getting blown out, and and so uh, uh, and then I sent out uh, headshots. Like uh, the second round, I sent out headshots, uh, and uh, like my old headshot, man, my hair was like whew, huge, like dude. a huge fro. It was ridiculous, man, all picked out, you know, and like uh, and just bouffant. And uh, and so I got a call back from uh, a guy named F. Poff, who uh, his real first name is F, just the letter. Really? Letter. Yeah, yeah. He's still he's still in Denver. Plays some polo. I understand now, uh, which is pretty random. But uh, uh, <laughs> and uh, and F F had a, a real deep voice, kind of like this. Hey, it's F. And like you know, like it's spot on F impression. Like, <laughs> like uh, you don't know him, but like. 
And he'd be like, he's like, uh, so, uh, Nerf, uh, can I have you send another air check? Uh, we kind of lost yours, you know? And I'm like, <laughs> uh, I'm like, you never listened to it. You threw it away. Yeah. You know, like, uh, and then saw the fro and the, like, so my, my Afro kind of got me. The so job. you got hired because of your Afro. I did. I did. And radio, you got hired because of your Afro. I am radio's radio. first sight gag. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am. Uh, kind of proud of it. And I remember like, uh, I was riding in an elevator, and there was a guy named Reggie McDaniels who uh, I think might have been when I was interviewing here uh, in, our, in our old building downtown. And Reggie was awesome, man. He was a, he, the restaurant critic. Um, you might remember him. He was on the Fox and on, uh, I think, sometimes on KBPI and KOA. Did a lot of different radio stations, food critic. He was the only uh, food critic to uh, critique two Red Lobsters, both in Aurora. <laughs> Super awesome guy. Yeah. And, like, and he used to wear these rad pimp suits, these like, uh, you know, like bright red or like, you know, blue rad. stripes, all this crazy stuff. And so I get on the elevator and I'm, I stand like in front of him and this guy, like a, a good friend of mine, Brian DeGrasse, is like kind of showing me around the building and he's standing in the elevator next to me. And like, uh, so we're going down and, uh, and Reggie was behind me in the elevator and he's like, he says, now why in the year 2000? Would a man, oh, no, would a white man be rocking an afro? <laughs> and, I like, and, I was like, and I was like, I don't know what to say. Uh, and it was like, just, I remember that line. Why in the year 2000? It was 99, technically, but, you know, he was getting a jump, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Like, but, yeah, no, that was, was why they hired me. Awkwardly quiet, and then you just got off like, the elevator. Yeah, I was like, I don't know what to say. I was like, and I, I think I might have said something like, yeah, chicks dig it, you know? <laughs> chicks love the pro. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's right. So you came back, and you got a job at KTCL? Or, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was, uh, the very beginning, I was working for everybody in promotions, and I was doing some board work uh, for TCL. That was like, uh, you know, uh, Somebody that like couldn't be there overnight or uh, in the evening shift, they would record breaks and I'd play them back on the air and just play all the music and stuff. Uh, and like back then, it was CDs and cart drives and stuff like that. They, we didn't yeah. have any any computer system doing it. The uh, the uh, audio files were waves, uh, so there was some digital stuff going on, but like yeah. uh, but they're just played out of like you know Cool Edit or whatever and okay. like uh, you know. Uh, through the board and you'd take phone calls and stuff like that and just you know pull all the cds for the the next dj and stuff and and uh, and then the first time i was on the air f was a big social distortion fan and we had a freeloader show with mike ness it was on his solo tour and uh and like so f had he'd finished most of his show uh and put most of it in the can and like ready for it and he was planning on watching some of the mike ness show and going back and he ended up getting kind of too drunk, <laughs> you know? like, and so he's and he didn't want to leave, and so he's like, I'm, I'm like, hey F, I'm going back. I guess you're coming back too, you know, like to finish your show so I can play it all on the air overnight. And and he's like, uh, he's like, duh, why don't you go ahead and do the rest of the show? <laughs> and so I was on the air from like you know uh, 3 a.m. to 5:30 a.m. or something like that. And that was my my first on-air gig at TCL. That was your first one. And then after that, did you just pick up from there? Yeah, I I did overnights and they were training me to to do the overnights. And then, uh, and then a guy named Mike McKay, who, uh, is now in King Rat. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Awesome punk band from Denver. Uh, like he was our morning jock at the time and, uh, and he quit, I 
think to go to like a, a streaming station, like okay. online only radio station, because everybody at the time kind of thought that might be the future. Yeah. And like, uh, and so, so he bails, and uh, and so we're down at Jock, and they needed a full timer that was both like uh, could do air work, and they also needed a promotions director because the promotions director at the time was getting promoted, I think, to program director of the Fox. And so they had two vacancies to fill, and I filled both of them at the same time. And so they were like, there you go. You're a jack of all trades. Yeah. Well, it was funny because, like, I mean, from the get-go, I always had multiple jobs here. You know, it's like I, I was the like kind of the very first wave of, like, this, you know, wear a ton of hats in radio yeah. thing. And now my title is, like, I, last time I got business cards – the person ordering the business card says, I wanted a title, not a bio. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, it's a lot, I do a lot of things. Like, uh, okay, so technically my title, this is the, this is the, the long version. I'm a vice president of event, events and strategic partnerships for the region, the Denver region, uh, program director of KTCL and Punk Tacos and afternoon drive on Punk Tacos or uh, on, uh, on KTCL and air work on Punk Tacos if you want to throw that in there too. But like uh, – it's a lot. So you have all of that. Yeah. And you have you have a family, right? Yeah, three kids. Three kids, uh, uh, nine, seven, and four okay. at, at the time of this recording. And, <laughs> uh, and yeah, and they're, uh, they're great, man. It's, you know, Christmas time, so they're freaking oh, they're out. pumped right now. Right now yeah, right? exactly. Yep. So, yeah, busy life. Um, and a horrible addiction to exercise. Yeah, like that's yeah. that's a good addiction to have. It is if you're gonna have one. Yeah, it's, a, it's good. Especially but. in the music business, there's a lot, <laughs> yeah, a lot of harder addictions. Yeah, totally. No, it's uh, yeah, no, there's a lot of uh, great opportunities for poor health here. Yeah, totally, <laughs> totally. <laughs> um, so how do you how do you manage all of your your roles? You know, how do you manage your time? Well, it's. Man, it's a lot easier this time of year because everything kind of shuts down in the music industry, and like uh, you know, we can kind of like all chill. And I uh, can't say who it is, but I uh, yesterday confirmed, hundred percent confirmed, the headliner for Kegs and Eggs. Already? Yeah. Well, it's been kind of like quasi confirmed for yeah. like three months. Okay. You know, um, and and usually I'm working on it uh, at the end of the summer. Oh, uh, really? So yeah. you you guys. We'll like book like not so silent, then jump to the next one and start booking that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Like uh, I, I'm working on a big gig right now, and okay. Uh, like uh, um, you know, and and like sometimes it's like you've got something that gets bumped from one, and you kind of like uh, you say, well, how about we make you an offer on the the next one? Yeah. And so a lot of times that's like you know Jeep on the Rocks in October. I'll like uh, okay. suddenly have a band like like that makes sense for that, and say like, oh well, we're booked up on big gig, but can you play Jeep on the Rocks? We're booked up on big a uh, big gig, so you can play a uh, not so silent night or whatever, and and like so sometimes that'll be predetermined a long time in advance, okay. you know. But uh, um, but yeah, no, it's I won't say I won't say who it is, but it's. It's huge. It's a big one. Very big at kegs and eggs this year. It's gonna be amazing. Oh, I'm stoked. Yeah, kegs and eggs is always fun. Yes. If I can remember it. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. We, we, the hazy memories of kegs and eggs. Yeah. Speaking of great health practices. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Drinking at 7 a.m. is not something a doctor recommends. Yeah. It's a black. It's it's always like when we played it. It was. It's interesting to like watch the other bands because they're like. Yeah. Holy shit! You guys like really get down here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> people are drunk out there. Yeah, 
you're you're kidding me. It's yeah, it's so absurd. But like, you know, this will be the thirteenth year of it, man. And my band was uh, Vito uh, at the time. It was the first band to play it. Really? Ever. Vito? Vito. Are you still rocking Vito? No. No? No. We, uh, I, I haven't been. Uh, the remnants, like the, the last vestige of Vito, uh, is now a band called Kodak. Okay. And uh, they're kind of a prog metal thing. Okay. And uh, way better than we were. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, they're, they're awesome. And uh, uh, good friends, Jody and Dan, are still in the band. And, okay. Uh, and, uh, but yeah, we had a couple of incarnations. It was Vito and then it was later the frequency. Okay. And, uh, and then I left, uh, the band after having my second kid, I was like, I don't want to be the guy that can't show up for band practice. Ever. Yeah. You know, it's like, I don't want to drag everybody down. And that's, so. that's very nice of you. Yeah. Being, being in a band as we're getting older, like, yeah, it's nice to, to know when to call it. You know? yeah, 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 exactly. And I, I'm definitely... I think once my kids are a little older, I'm gonna be wanting to get into an old man band. And, yeah, you know, rock and, it uh, out. Yeah. Do you still play the drums? Uh, yeah, yeah. A lot of times, like with a kid on my lap. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. Yeah. Do they do they also play instruments? Your kids? Not really yet. Uh, but they love the the idea of being in a band, and so yeah. they um, my my eldest son's uh, latest band concept uh, is a, a band called This Happened. Okay. And uh, and he's in it with his friend Bryant. And I think he did it just to kind of uh, stick it to his sister, who was in his former band. And now he's like, uh, you know, <laughs> say, I'm leaving this band. <laughs> like, uh, you know. Family band turmoil. Uh, totally, <laughs> totally. And uh, it was the Proto-Raptors. The pro- uh, that's a pretty sick name. It's not bad, huh? Yeah. You better come to re- correct yeah. that. <laughs> name, you know? it's like, this happened, I think, is a better name, though, because it's like uh, it was like a line – he was young, and we rearranged a room, all the furniture in a room, and he came down from his nap, and he, like, I think he was, like, two, maybe, or something like that. And so he just didn't have the words to describe what he was seeing. He's like, this whole room is all different. He's what like, and he this? just opens his mouth and says, this happened. <laughs> and then, so we, we always talk about that line from him, and, like, and so he named his band This Happened. That's a great name. He sounds like a, an up-and-coming artist. I think so. I yeah. think so. One to watch right there. <laughs> <laughs> on the Denver scene. Yeah. You think that that would be too Trump to like, you know, give him his shot, like just yeah. put a song from, some, uh, some from this happened on the air. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jobs for all my kids. Yeah. Here yeah. you go. Yeah. I think our music director is now Jillian. Okay. <laughs> I think that's a, and then I think Decker, uh, your promo director. There I mean, if go. it's good, it's good, you know? So, well, I don't know. Still, yeah. still, still suspect. You make him work opinion. a little harder. Like, yeah. Yeah. Nah. yeah. You got to earn it a little you bit. Gotta, you got to earn it. <laughs> Yeah, totally. Well, speaking of uh, breaking artists, what are some artists that you have helped break? Oh man, you know it's it's funny. I like I wrangle with this concept. It's like you know, yeah, maybe I was the first radio station to play something, or like you know, um, or help a band get signed, or something like that. But man, I gotta say, I feel like that diminishes the role of the artist in a way that I'm not. Uh, you know, like I'll, it's, I don't want to throw out the whole topic, you know, uh, but like, I do want to acknowledge it. It's like, I, I didn't write any of these yeah, songs yeah. and I, de- and I tend to get like too much credit for just going like, Hey, that's rad and putting it on the yeah. air, you know, it's like, um, but like, uh, uh, but like, you know, there's been a lot, man. I mean, I've been at, at KTCL now for, uh, uh, 18 years, uh, like in February, it'll be. 20 years in radio, you know, and like, Dang. it's a long time. And so we've done a lot, man. And, uh, and it's always a collaborative effort and very, uh, democratic, you know, it's like, we, we talk a lot about every song we play, 
uh, as a staff, and then we you know put it in front of the music nerds, and we actually do listen to that. You yeah. know, it's like that's that's real feedback that we're getting uh, from them, and um, so uh, it kind of like uh, everyone I've been a part of, like you know, it started with like Love Forty Five. Uh, they're a great band um, that really it's like they and they don't get enough credit because yeah. like uh, they uh, uh, they sound a little bit like Three Doors Down I think okay. you know but at the time in like uh, 2001 or so I think that was that was very rad yeah. you know that was like a, like very hot sound um, and they opened the door we had success with them it was actually actually testing with people and like and the, people liked it and it was a local band unsigned at first and all this and so we're like hey this this can kind of work you know let's let's uh you know let's keep our ears open for the next thing yeah. and the next thing happened to be the fray and like okay. uh, I talked to Isaac at a noodles once and he's like I'm in a band now I'll send you some stuff and I was like great and he ended up sending it to Alf and then Alf worked with him on uh uh oh I, I met Isaac first uh, he interviewed me for a a, a, a video, a, some kind of a TV or a, oh yeah, it was on the noise it was on, floor. Yeah, it was on uh, like public access. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember seeing it. Yeah, and he uh, he interviewed me for that, and like uh, and then and then that, then I bumped into him at Noodles and he told me about the band, and, and I was like, oh, what's it sound like? And he's like, yeah, piano stuff. I was like, piano, I don't know. <laughs> And uh, anyway, and then um, and then I heard it in a music meeting after Alpha kind of worked with them on the song a little bit and said like, "Hey, can you take this out? Can you like change that a little bit?" Uh, and they tweaked it and uh, sent it back. And, and he's like, "This is great." And he brought it into a music meeting and we listened to it and said like, "This deserves a shot." And we tested right. it in front of the music nerds, then called I think the Music Mafia, <laughs> and like uh, and uh, then it was off to the races. And you yeah. know they were nominated for Grammy like you know three years later they, or something like that. I felt like. That was like 2004, right? Something like that, yeah. 2005? Three, four, yeah. That's when I started, like, really paying attention to, yeah. to like, KTCL. Yeah. Um, it was cool that way because yeah. it was like, then it tore the roof off. It yeah. was like, then it, then it was like, I, I kind of feel like before that, we didn't really have a scene. In fact, to, uh, uh, like, uh, to that point, um, Ryan Tedder was, like, uh, the, he and Isaac Slade interned together at the gothic they were both like runners at the gothic for uh, a guy named matt need who's a friend of mine and he uh and like so he was their intern or they were his interns and uh and then ryan says okay well nothing's happening in denver i'm bailing yeah. goes to la to get a job at uh, uh a agency i believe and work on his music project uh, One Republic, and then um, and then it took them a while. It took them like a, a, a few more years than the fray yeah. uh, to kind of to make it big. And uh, of course, now it's like Jesus, yeah. it, like, that guy's written just about everything anybody's ever heard. Seriously, <laughs> you know, like, if you wrote a song out there and uh, and people have heard of it, that's rare that it didn't come from him. Yeah, <laughs> it's Seriously. like it's sick. Um, and then uh, let's see. So we had the fray. And then after that single file, uh, like a, a, a friend of mine, Zach, sent that to me. And, oh, I and remember that. We listened to it, Call yeah. Call the neighbor, kids, trash yeah. can list. Yeah. Zombies ain't my neighbors. And Joe Ginsburg from that band, uh, he wrote a song in another band he was in called Audra May uh, called Little Red Wagon. And uh, I want to say Miranda Lambert won a Grammy for it. What? Yeah. And wow. So, and he's like 
literally tending bar at the Atlantic Records after party for the Grammys or, or whatever. Like he's like getting set up. The Grammys are still happening. It's on the TV. They're all kind of watching, and he watches his song win a Grammy. Wow, that's as insane. He, yeah, isn't that wild? Yeah. Um, and he's a fantastic musician. He's in Nashville now, I think, uh, uh, writing and uh, you know with a whole bunch of people and and uh, probably doing some bass bass work too. He's, yeah fantastic basis that was a great band and uh unfortunately reprise records didn't do a great job with the with it and it kind of didn't go anywhere nationally um but uh then right after that was meese and those guys like uh the, the meese brothers are definitely uh famous now it's like yeah. uh, uh nate meese is starting a, uh, in management and yeah. um pat meese is a drummer for nathaniel rateliff and the night sweats and uh so after meese it was tickle me pink uh tickle me pink outside of wind up and like you know Lots of highs and lows of that story, uh, but they were the first band that kind of came out of hometown for the holidays. Tickle Me Pink. Yep, okay. we, I saw them. Uh, their song made the top ten, and then it, this was the first hometown uh, we had it at the Gothic, and there was a blizzard the night bo- the night before, and so there was like three feet of snow. I don't know how they even got down here from Fort Collins, to yeah. be honest. Oh, it's yeah. like uh, you know I, they must have had a plow or whatever, but like, uh, and there was like five people at the Gothic, man. We couldn't get anybody out for it. New concept, three feet of snow. It was screwed, man. Yeah. It was like not going anywhere. Um, but I saw them play, uh, a, a bunch of songs and I was like, wow, this kid's vocals go from like, uh, Chris Caraba all the way up to Zach De La Rocha. You know, yeah. it's like, he had a lot of range and the dynamics and like, I was like, this is kind of cool. Yeah. About the same time, Lee Miles was like, uh, uh, you know, starting to get exposed to them too. And wanted to like produce their record. He was in the studio with Rise Against, I think, up in Fort Collins. And uh, anyway, so Tickle Me Pink. The uh, then, man, uh, Flowbots. Soon after that, yeah. uh, and, and this is all the Denver stuff. Three hundred three, right about yeah, just a little after that. That was about the time my son was born, my first kid, uh, in two thousand eight. And then uh, let's see, Air Dubai uh, got signed and, on. Uh, Fearless, um, they were signed to Fearless. Yeah, that's my roommate in college worked at Fearless. Oh no way, that's crazy. Yeah, I think that's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, let's see, Breathe Carolina, who uh, they like uh, went to number one on the pop charts eventually. Yeah, and they were already signed. I like I can't take much credit for like you know getting them signed or anything, but like uh, it was one of those bands where I'm like, man, I can't. They just didn't have anything I could do anything with. Yeah. And it was because it was a very atypical, weird act. Uh, but finally, when uh, when Blackout came out, yeah. I was like, "Yes, this I can I can fuck with this. This yeah. is great." Uh, so then, uh, somewhere along the line, there was like you know, Rise Against, uh, AWOL Nation, the the other national acts that weren't from here, but like uh, that we that we broke and um, Churchill. Blue October, Churchill. Yeah, there's another hometown band. Um, Let's see what what are their hometown bands? Uh, Eight 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 band called uh, Amzy or something. <laughs> yeah. Never heard of them. Yeah, <laughs> sound like a bunch of pussies. <laughs> <laughs> awesome act, man. Uh, like they're like you know, there's uh, yeah, what uh, I guess yeah, eight 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 would be a, a more recent success. I think uh, Wilderness. Now they've won it. I mean, that. dude, I I in the music meeting when that song came on. Yeah, and I had heard it like prior yeah me because too. it was it was in the music survey yeah and i i heard it and i was like it just stuck out yeah because the totally. 80 whatever songs we listened to like it just boom stuck out yeah and i was like this song yeah is, is 
fucking magic. I was like, I, I like, <laughs> I was in the meeting, and I, uh, whoever I was sitting next to, I tried to like, you know, sit next to a bunch of people and like, you know, kind of explore the room a little bit during that meeting, and like, uh, and I, whoever it was I was sitting next to when that came on, I was like, this is gonna win it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, this is this got it, and I, I, I mean, and deserving. I mean. The, this year's competition was amazing. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, we had a, a, a top 10 that was just, it was a joy to have every one of those songs yeah. on the air. You know, it was really cool. Uh, and I've got like 18 in a folder that I'm still like listening to. Really? Like, yeah. The, 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 it was funny. It was like musicians, you guys tend to be the hardest uh, on the on the bands. Yeah. It's, uh, we had a guy from Big Head Todd in the meeting one time and he like gave maybe four twos yeah. out of five <laughs> and and the rest were zeros yeah. it was like i mean ones and zeros look like binary <laughs> I was like, oh, oh man you're hard dude uh but like yeah no so it's like uh um uh, the, there's been a lot of bands over the years i'm probably forgetting a bunch and i yeah i try not there's, to because i feel like i'd leave people out there's a the story i heard that you helped with system of the down or something yeah that was at k-rock that was like all right so it's uh it's not i mean i don't know it's a it's a it's a weird little point in history so i i went to a system of a down show way before they uh got signed way before they kind of hit it big they're opening for snot at the roxy okay and uh and this is back when like the heavy stuff was just kind of bubbling up you know and uh and actually no this is before that this is like 94 uh i was in in college and like Every Armenian person in LA knows somebody in System of a Down. It's like really hilarious. It's like that's a total cliche, but like you know, uh, my buddy Paul Manassian, uh, like he's like he's like you got to come see this band. Uh, they're opening for this other band, Snot, who I hadn't really heard of either. And like, uh, uh, and you know, let's go to the Roxy. And so we went and saw the show, and they're freaking sloppy, a little all over the place, but great, you know, and it was cool. Uh, years later, 98 or 99, when I'm, uh, working at K-Rock, bumped into Shavo, their bassist, uh, and then later John, their drummer, uh, just at some promotion or something I was at. Um, and they gave me a disc and I started listening to it and I was like, I'm like, man, this is really good. This is after they'd been signed to American. And, uh, and so I brought it into um uh into a music meeting and like you know i was kind of skulking outside of kevin weatherly's office trying to work up the the courage to go in and take it to him you know and he uh and i like finally went in and i was like hey kevin um i heard you listening to metallica one time so i thought you might like this you know and like uh and he, and he was like then he's like sure let's put it on and he like threw it on uh listens to like a little bit of like i think no or something like that one of the first i think the first the lead off track on the first album and he uh, and, and he's like he's like well, I'm just really happy but yeah sure bring it to a music meeting and I was like <laughs> oh my god I get to go to a music meeting oh my god you know I freaked out and like you know and then they canceled that music meeting rescheduled it like a number of times and finally like you know and I showed up every time you know like walking around going where do I go where do I go what do I do what do I get to do I sit down do I write on something what do I do and uh, all nervous and eventually like finally did play it in the music meeting. Uh, played two songs, played uh, uh, Sugar and uh, Spiders, I think, and totally just everyone laughed their asses off really? at me. They were like, uh, they're like, <laughs> silly, silly van driver. No, this is not what we're looking for here at K Rock. This, uh, this is way too heavy. And like, uh, you know, and like, uh, I was just like, okay, you know, I was all sad and dejected and like, my ears suck. And like, <laughs> 
And uh, on the way out, somebody like confided in me. Like, I think this is where music is going, but we're not ready yet. And like at the time, it was like all semi-sonic and Goo Goo Dolls. And, yeah. Like, it was really, really poppy stuff. And like, but it was like, you know, Limp Biscuit was just starting to pop up and Corn was just starting to pop up. So it was like, it was about to, you know, the new metal thing was about to just explode. Yeah. And like, uh, uh, and so, you know. A month later, they were playing at, like, you know, I was fired and they were playing the Weenie Roast and, like, you know, <laughs> and, like, and K-Rock's playing the hell out of Sugar and, like, and I'm like, ah, I'm going to go ahead and guess I'm not getting credit for that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, remember where you first heard it, motherfucker. So, like, yeah. So now your story's out there. Now, now Yeah, there we go. Story's now, out. now it's public knowledge. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I heard the, I read Rick Rubin's uh this book on Rick Rubin and yeah. he was like one of the only producers that like one of the, the only reason labels started caring is because he went to a show at the Viper room. Yeah. And people were like, wait, fucking Rick Rubin's going. Right. Right. It's and enough then, to cause and then he was like, Hey guys. Yeah. Cause he's Rick Rubin. And yeah. He had, he had American. Yeah. <coughs> I me. bumped into Rick at a, <coughs> at Sorry. a system of a down show later on. It was, uh, at the palace, which I think now is called the Avalon. And, uh, and, uh, it was a like an epitaph concert for Lynn Strait from Snot, you know, like a, to wrap it all back together. I didn't realize how full circle that was until <laughs> I said it. Uh, and uh, yeah, so I was there. It was like head PE, uh, and it was uh, System of a Down, and I want to say Seven Dust played okay. that show. And I'm standing there in the in the palace, and I just like look over, and and uh, there's like some picked out of the gutter you know, scraggly ass hobo standing next to me. And I'm like, Oh my God, is nobody working the door? What, uh, <laughs> like, I mean, you know, letting in anybody now what's going on here. And, and, uh, and then like, you know, it was about at the end of the show and we like, uh, you know, I kind of walk out behind this guy still to, you know, with my head up my ass and like, uh, you know, and then he, uh, out right in front is his Rolls Royce. Uh, and like the K rock van is like parked right behind it, you know? And like, uh, and so now it's my job to go hand out stickers <laughs> and it's his job to get in his rolls and go be fucking awesome. And like, you know, and like, the homeless and, guy just hops in the car. Yeah, exactly. He real hops in the rolls and like, and so my buddy, Rich Rubin, Rich Rubin, yeah. uh, runs out and says, I, uh, Mr. Rubin, Mr. Rubin, uh, I got your, uh, I keep getting CDs for you because we have the same name. I just wanted to show you my ID. Like I get demos all the time. And I think you got my grades one time from UCLA. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, wow, that's cool. And like, I was like, Hey, Rick Rubin, no way. Nice to meet you. Like, you know, chili peppers, holy cats. Yeah. You know, like uh, all that stuff. And, and uh, so I met him briefly and then he got in his roles and went to his job being awesome. Yeah, that dude is is he's got so many hits under his belt. Oh my god. Just everything it's, he touches turns to gold. It's uh, funny though, every story I've heard about him from people in LA when I lived out there, yeah. like teachers and stuff, it it always starts with this homeless guy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> there's a couple there's a couple huge dudes in music that look like the least likely person to be huge in music or anything. Yeah. You know, uh, Cliff from uh, Q Prime is the other one. He's like, a, you know, manages Metallica and the Chili Peppers. Oh, yeah, and yeah. Like, you know, and, uh, and like you bump into Cliff and you're, you're like, uh, you're like, oh, ooh. he kind of <laughs> looks like um, like he would be cast in a movie as the crazy miner in the <laughs> Old West. You know, <laughs> like, like, the, a, like ratty old beard and wild hair, you know, like, darn fluting, you know, and he's like, and he talks, he's got this thick New York accent, you know, and like, uh, you know, like, oh, wow, you're, you're the big dog. Um, 
Yeah, and then Rick Rubin is the other guy. Like, you get those two together, and people are like, uh, like you know, crossing the street, <laughs> and picking up their lunch, going to another part of the restaurant, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, they're amazing. That's crazy. Yeah. So never judge a book by its cover. Totally. You know, especially not in the music business. Which is a stupid cliche, by the way, because that's the best way to judge a book by uh, yeah because like what are you gonna do read the whole thing and then find out it sucks you know come on it's like you know if it's an auto manual you don't want to read it thinking it's fiction it's like you know but you could (laughs) that's what the cover is for right exactly (laughs) what's on the cover the title the author like you know like maybe a picture that might describe what's inside a little bit you need these things everything you need to know exactly how you should judge a book all right so i have a few more questions here um we did the lightning round yet? Have I not, not uh, officially talked to Hungry Dog off a of meat <laughs> wagon? <laughs> so you listen to music every day. How do you stay inspired listening? Are you, or are or are you getting to a point in your career where where you're like ready to pass the torch? No, no, I'm not to that point. Yet. I, like, I I still like it a lot, you know. And uh, one thing, like I've got a, an issue that uh, like a lot of people don't have to deal with uh, with audio real estate. Like I have a certain amount of time in my day to listen to things between like being in the office where I can play something, being in my car where I can play something, uh, you know, headphones, all that stuff. It's like I kind of have to maximize that time yeah, to get it all in because it's not just the new music that I'm listening to. It's like, you know, the, uh, the station, our competition, you know, I'm supposed to be listening to all this stuff and like, uh, and, and it like sometimes that feels a little spread thin. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's kind of tough to get to all of it. Um, but like, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, staying inspired is pretty easy when you dig into it. And if you have a little patience, you know, it's like definitely not everything's a hit, you know, definitely not everything's interesting, you know? And like, and I do catch myself on occasion being, you know, the age I am going like, Oh, this sounds like just the same as the last one. And they're like, no, 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 no. Don't do that. Don't do that. Because it's like, if you're, you know, if you're a kid right now, this doesn't sound like yeah. something from the seventies. It doesn't sound like something, you know, like it sounds totally new yeah. and like, and I got to get in that mindset. So it's like, you got to shake yourself off of like, everything sounds the same and everything sounds like, a, you know, something else in history or yeah. whatever. And like, you just can't, or like getting snobby about trap, you know, yeah. like we were talking yeah. about, you know, it's like, you can't do it. You know, it's like, you know, kids love that. Yeah. Like, uh, like 21 pilots is a perfect example. It's like, there was a time in my life where I'd be like, wait a minute, they've got like artificial stuff just playing, you know, yeah. some of the instruments aren't on stage being actually played. Uh, like that's bogus. Yeah. Terrible band. Hate them. Yeah. And that if you've ever seen 21 pilots, you know, that that's yeah. like, they're amaze balls yeah. and like and that it doesn't bother you in the slightest that some of that stuff is tracked yeah. in it's like you know it's it's rad uh new politics has never had a bassist they've got a lot of bass tracks yeah. in their songs nobody even notices yeah. that there's no bassist on stage you know nobody cares that's, that's just a, a standard now like to compete yeah. as being a musician in a band like oh yeah if you don't have some kind of like tracks yeah then you if you play next to a band like that they play before you or after you yeah whoever's listening to you they don't get all that they just go that band kind of sucked <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah totally it's like they didn't they didn't dig on your organic vibe yeah. you know they, they thought you sucked yeah. you know it's like yeah totally it's I, I don't know and you never know if the pendulum's gonna swing it's like you know they uh 
the grunge era was a, a reaction to everything getting big and overproduced and like, yeah. you know, and, and had too much money and effort and, you know, crap going on. It's like these ridiculous sets and stuff, you know, and like, and then Nirvana came out. I just, I, this morning I watched Nirvana at Reading, like, a, yeah. uh, like a, on DVD. And it's like, you could tell that they brought zero lights. <laughs> They like uh, whatever lights were on the stage was crap they had at Reading, you know. Yeah. It was like, a, and it was these spots they were just kind of moving and had like a few different shapes, and that was it. Nothing on the stage but a drum riser and instruments, and that was it. Yeah. So you never know when the pendulum's going to swing back. Yeah. And and have people like going, you know, I'm just not into that pre-recorded thing. You yeah. know, like I'm not into the the tracks. Uh, Maybe one day people will start to care about it, but yeah. like uh, you know, for right now they definitely don't. Yeah. And so like, it, it goes in cycles. Yeah, I think. Yeah, or, yeah. I you know, everything kind of does. Like, uh, and hopefully there's enough of a new twist on things. You know, when it comes back around, to not yeah. be like totally just like a rip off. Of like, so you just did exactly <laughs> what happened thirty years yeah. ago. You know, it's like that's. You ever heard of this band called Nirvana? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Somebody just recently suggested I get in a cover band, a tribute band, and call it Nerfana. <laughs> that that would be rad. I'm like I'm sitting here, my Doc Martens going like, yeah, yeah it's very grunge era. You, you should know. do it. Yeah, I would. I would go see it. Yeah, I did. <laughs> dude. I saw uh, uh, who was it uh, in the Whale uh, on the 20th anniversary of Kurt Cobain's death at the High Dive, uh, play with Residual Kid, and they kind of combined forces and did a bunch of Nirvana songs. And I mean, dude. One of the best nights of music I've seen in a long, long time. It that was sounds so really rad. Good, they're amazing live, man. Yeah. They're like, oh yeah. I've been I've been trying like we played them on Punk Tacos a little bit and like uh, but I mean, I need I, I like I'm like damn it I want to make your band famous because yeah. you're so deserving. You know. Like, it, it and might not seem that way, but they're one of Amzy's influences for like just like killing it live. Like yeah. we would go before Amzy was a band, we would go see them. Yeah. And like their live show was just amazing. Yeah. If you ever get a chance to see in the whale, anybody listening to this, yeah, go take it. They're fan fantastic. Yeah. And they're cool dudes. Yeah. They love like, you know, like we're not even close to their style, but they're still nice to us. Yeah. Nate's a mortician, man. Yeah. I mean, how interesting is that? <laughs> yeah, right. That's so dope. It's ridiculous. I saw that they were recording in his family's old like mortuary up in yeah. in like I don't know where it was I think it's like somewhere close to Fort Collins just yeah. like abandoned old spooky like perfect. mortuary place that's just damn perfect so good um so there's, like a, a, there's a lot of bands it's like it tends to get a little frustrating sometimes when things don't take off and that 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 I think are really really good and yeah. like uh Eldrin's another one of those bands that I feel like is just art man yeah they're like they're so good and like they've had such great music and for some reason it's just not catching fire yeah. and we put it in front of music nerds and they're just like eh. yeah they, uh, for some reason do not hear what i hear when i hear it but uh um but you know it's frustrating but it's like you got to kind of listen to the people you know yeah. it's a um you know you can't force it down their throats yeah. well and it's it's rad that both those bands eldrin and in the well they don't chase the radio there's, yeah, no. there's a lot of bands. They keep in touch, and like, yeah. you know, Eldrin always submits for hometown, and the song they submitted is dope too. You know, it's like, but, and it, like, you know, it it's doesn't always work, and yeah, you know. But I mean, it'll hopefully eventually will work out. I mean, Nathaniel Raylip's yeah. a good example. Yeah, that was an interesting thing, man. We were like, I, I was at a corporate meeting in L.A. 
when they played on Fallon. And, uh, and like we were discussing because we had this program called On the Verge uh, where we all kind of lock arms and like all like champion a band at the same time, you know, start playing this bit, like one band and just like all decide what it should be, who needs this big break and like then go at it like crazy as a whole company. Yeah. And, uh, and so, uh, and we were like trying to decide and we were kind of like just really uninspired by like all our options at the time. You know, it's like there, there was like this band and that band. I don't want to say who they were cause I don't want to call anybody uninspiring <laughs> in a podcast, but, uh, and like the, uh, but, uh, then there was, and then it happened. This Fallon performance that like blew up on social media and like just went nuts. And I, and it was like such amazingly perfect timing. I'm like there with like all the programmers from Rock and Alternative, and uh, you know for the entire company. And and I, I was like, okay, guys, this one, yeah, this is gonna be it. And it was our on the verge artist, and it like you know, boom, yeah, went like a rocket, man. It was insane, man. Yeah, I, I saw them. At, Pat used to have at their old house, uh, off right Broadway. East. Oh, okay. Yeah, then later. They on. used to have shows in their backyard for UMS, and me, Nick, and I, the bass player and Amzie, yeah, we went to the show in his backyard a week before Fallon happened, wow. and they were playing on this tiny little like porch, and during that song, the power went out. So they just went acapella, just started clapping. Whoa! Wow! It was like the coolest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> oh, that's. And awesome. then a week later, they're on Jimmy Fallon, and yeah. then after that, a month later, they're just all over the radio, everywhere, blowing up. It was like it's like one of those stories. Like, this is what I get to tell my kids that you know. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That was that's awesome. Those rock and roll stories. Yeah. yeah. I sat in there, there back when they lived over by East High. I was in their basement, and we had it was after a hometown for the holidays, and like we all just they went down there with just tons of musicians from the scene, like just like and they, and it became this like show and tell session in their basement where they were like, uh, you know, uh, the Epilogues played a song, another great band, uh, um, like the Epilogues played a, um, a, a song I'd never heard before, like an early mix of uh, the Fallout, and like uh, and you know then. Uh, Mies played a new track, you know, that they had. And like the, then I think, like, there might have been a Navy song down there. And, like, there was just, like, just at, one after another, everybody was, like, going, like, oh, hey, hey, let me, let me email this to you. And, like, yeah. you know, and, like, pulling it up on the computer. And everybody was, like, and it was just, I was, like, wow. I Like, you know, there's some genius musicians here. Yeah. And, like, and, like, and I'm hearing some freaking awesome shit, like, way in advance. And it was just, like, a moment in time where I'm, like, wow, I'm going to remember this, like, little scene for a long time, yeah. you know. It's it's crazy how much talent's in Denver. I yeah. really think and I've this is one of the reasons I moved back to Colorado from LA is because I thought Denver is gonna be the next scene, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I, I truly believe in it. And I know lots of people are moving away from Denver to go to other scenes, but I think Denver has something special. Totally. And, it, and it's got a support system. I think like you know, when I was in high school, the before like the scene kind of took off, you know, we had there was a, a like right after I left, there was a little a little bit of a, a jump with like the samples and Big Head Todd, you know. Yeah. Uh, and uh, but like the the scene when I was in high school before that was so uh, venomous and and like and everybody like you had one band you liked you know it's like if you're a vivid imagination fan you think psychedelic zombies sucks and if yeah. you like warlock pinchers then every other band in the scene blows and you'd never go to a show and like all that stuff and it was like this kind of like 
this just self-destructive nature of the scene. Like, you know, if you don't, if you don't support each other and if your fans will only support you, it's like, there's just no traction that can be yeah. had, you know? And I think that that's one thing that's, that gives us this momentum in this scene is because, you know, I'll go to, and in the whale show and see you, you know, yeah. I'll, I'll go to like a, uh, you know, like you always know people at these shows because it's like everybody supports each other. And that's like, that's so key. Yeah. And that's something LA does a terrible job yeah. with there. It's like, you know, they're nasty out there. Yeah. LA fans kind of suck. It's like, you yeah, know. That, I was, when I was living out there, I was like, how do you even build a fan base out here know, as a band? I remember like going to see Primus, the palladium and I was all jazzed, you know, like uh, the, you know, Les Claypool, genius. You know, yeah. like a freaking genius. Tim Alexander, also a genius. You know, like Larry Lalonde, brilliant in his own right because it's like, you know, he fits that role, which is like really kind of a difficult situation to be in with that rhythm section going on, you know? Yeah. So like uh, uh, one of the like most unique and awesome bands of all time and some dingleberry that thinks he's cooler than this band is spitting on Les Claypool from the crowd and Les like stops and says like, oh, I see we have a spitter in the audience. He's like, uh, if you want to spit, why don't you spit on your fist and shove it up your ass? You know, like, I'm like, yeah, yeah Les, that's, tell that's them, awesome. stupid Angelinos. Yeah. I mean, they'd just be talking to each other and stuff yeah. during the show, too. Just, like, not paying any attention to It's like, to why band. did you even come? Yeah. It's like, you asshole. You bought a ticket for this, and then, like, you're, you're going to pretend to be cooler than the band? Yeah. You paid 30 bucks to see? It's like... Get the fuck over it. You yeah. know, it's like, that's just stupid. That's like LA in so many ways. Oh, yeah. It's Not, just yeah. weird. Just so weird. Yeah, I love Denver for that. And like, you know, the fact that like, you know, there's no bigger like Bronco fan in the world than like Nate from the epilogues. You yeah. know, like, you know, he's like this keyboardist, you know, like a avant garde musician. <laughs> Are like a graphic artist, and he's like, he's like the Broncos gonna win it all this year. <laughs> yeah. It's like I love it, man. It's like everybody's a Renaissance man out here. You yeah, know? it's like like you, you gotta love all of it, and, and like people are die hard when they get into something. Here, yeah, you know? it's like and like uh, you know, it's 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 just way cooler to to play for band for yeah. bands like that to like you know to hang out in this type of scene. It's just yeah. better. <laughs> the fans in in Colorado are definitely. Uh, uh, super loyal, yeah, amazing, yeah. and you do see them at every show, yeah. Like not just your show, but like yeah, in the whale or eight 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 or yep. whatever. It's it's crazy. Yep. To think I mean, about. we had like eight 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 and like and three bands which we announced two days prior, you know, and packed that place to like you know at least three quarters of capacity at the summer yeah. musical. You know, yeah, dude, that was, there was a lot of people yeah. this year. Yeah. A lot of people. Yeah. The year you guys headlined, there was a lot of people too. Yeah. I remember like epilogues, I think we were, the people were still scratching their head about the headliner thing. We changed venue that year too. It was kind of like not quite as, as big, but, uh, but like, you know, it's amazing the support that comes out. For yeah. It. It's rad. I love Colorado. Yeah, exactly. It's too cool. Do you see any? Uh, That's why we did three hundred three day, man. Yeah. You know, it's like like we came up with that uh, like uh, that concept. I, I remember like it, it had to do with like you know how uh, three eleven the band three eleven has like three eleven day yeah. and stuff. And I was like, and I'm, March third is coming up. I, like I remember texting the guys in three hundred three, going like, "You guys should call it three hundred three day on March 3rd. And then I was like, "Wait a minute, it's not just about you. It's yeah. about like it's about Colorado. Let's do this. Let's make it a holiday." And so like you know, then you know now we. Uh, we like kind of launched it. It started off kind of just mostly social media, but then like you know, illegal Pete's jumped on board. Gets covered on all the news networks, yeah. and it's like last year was last year like the biggest one. Oh yeah, it gets bigger yeah. every year, man. How it's, many years now? Like four? 
Uh, no, more than that. I think maybe, maybe eight or nine. Wow. Years? Okay. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It'll probably be okay. Eight years because uh, 2008 is when 303's record dropped, and I would say probably the the following March is when. I first mentioned it to them. Okay. So I'm guessing, yeah. So uh, in like in 19, it'll be the 10th anniversary. So okay. Uh, yeah. So yeah. Wow. So this will be the ninth year. Then time I guess. flies. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. But uh, anyway, yeah. I I, uh, I can credit 303 Day for helping us get some spins on uh, Spotify. I was looking at our nice. like our stats. Yeah. And it's like March 3rd. 5,000 <laughs> plays. That's awesome, <laughs> like, man. That's just like so dead cool. and then boom. Yeah. It, it was, it's rad. So it's That's cool really that cool. you do that and you play local music. Yeah. And you, uh, you have everybody wear like their, their lo- favorite local college, right? Or, or, or like or college sports or, team. or Bronco stuff, Rocky stuff, just something that represents, you know, the community and the 303. Uh, yeah. The flag, you know, yeah. like I, I think I had like six different Colorado <laughs> flags on at the same time <laughs> between my jacket and like, you know, my socks and everything. <laughs> like, you know, I go freaking off the deep end with it. Repping it all. But I mean, like, it's, it's, it's that good a state, that good of a community, you know, it's like we, it deserves a holiday. Yeah. And I, I love the fact that it makes people think about it a little too. Yeah. You know? It's like, uh, it's like, just, you got to appreciate it if you live in this yeah. in this town in this state. It's like there is some insane place. loyalty yeah. in Colorado when yeah. it comes to music, sports, um, everything. We're all kind of fanatical that way. Is there ever like when like a band from Colorado, you know, like a label comes in, are they ever like skeptical about like? Well, they're big here. Yeah, I mean, well, that's actually that's something when the, when a label's looking at it, they want that. They want it to be big there, right? Like uh, they ask, "Is anything happening with this band?" You know, and that like, uh, and so you uh, they'll look at like Spotify numbers, socials, and stuff like that that they can see from New York or LA or wherever they are, and then like you know, and if it gets serious, if they're somewhat convinced that there there is something going on there then they'll like come out and they want to see the crowd like come out and be crazy about it. And like, yeah. that, that's something I feel like uh, if it gets to that point, you know, with a the label, they're going to love the band because yeah. it's like, they, they usually see some serious, you know, craziness from the, the crowd about yeah. this, about this band. And uh, you know, so that's, uh, that's awesome. Keep that up everybody. Totally. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> do you see any, uh, any new trends coming musically? And alt music specifically? Yeah. I mean, the, we were talking about the trap thing, and like, I think that's still pretty hot. And like, uh, vocals that are twisted or used kind of like, uh, like more like a keyboard. Like 21 Pilots style. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like a lot of, like, a, you know, distorted second tracks of vocals. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. There's that. There's, um, a little element of hip hop in a lot of things these days. Yeah, I've noticed that. Yeah, uh, and and that's still pretty hot. And I think like a very produced sound, guitar still stone dead. Man. Actually, this is one of my questions. Yeah, guitar is like uh, uh, like, and everybody's trying to bring it back. They like, Greta Van Fleet. They're like, you know, oh yeah, 
you know, they're like, oh, this is awesome. This is going to be the next thing because guitar's coming back. I'm like, is it? Yeah. yeah like, let's take a look. Yeah. Let's see what's selling. As a guitar player, I have my fingers crossed. But... Yeah, right? You know, it's <laughs> like, well, I mean, it, it can be guitar. It's just <clears throat> guitar that doesn't exactly sound like guitar. Yeah. It you just, know, not the it, classic yeah. kind of rocking guitar. Yeah, it's where it's like... two guitars and, and the song is guitar driven. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, they, uh, like Portugal of the Man, you know, uh, Feel It Still, biggest hit of the, uh, of the year. Uh, like has starts off with guitar, yeah, you know, but it doesn't sound like guitar, yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> it's like that kind of like surfy, you know, and like uh, uh, nobody would recognize it. It's like it's not like Foo Fighters guitar, you know, yeah. it's like, uh, and like a Foo Fighters, I mean, like, damn, dude, it kills me inside that like I can't support Dave Grawl anymore, but like our audience thinks yeah. that sounds like classic rock now, so so you're like torn the inner. Yeah, uh, Nerf. My inner grunge kid. The, the young grunge kid. Yeah, it's like going like, oh, to, come on. It's Uncle Dave. It's yeah. like, you know, like I would, is there anybody that wouldn't vote for that guy for president? Yeah, right? You know, like, <laughs> like is there anybody that wouldn't take a bullet for Dave Grawl? There's a, one of my best memories in radio, man. Uh, Blackberry, shows you how long ago this was. Uh, Blackberry put on this thing called the Garage Tour. Like, for people listening, we're talking about the old phone, right? Right, yeah. Okay. <laughs> it, it had a keyboard on it, like a typewriter. Uh, <laughs> anyway, like, uh, and they, they were, so they were going to people's garages, and the Foo Fighters were playing shows at people's houses. Uh, oh, I, I remember that, yeah. yeah. And they were, and, and uh, somebody won the contest from Lions, uh, and they, they had, like, a problem with their basement. There was, like, some water leaking into the – or not the basement, the uh, the garage. So they couldn't do it at that person's garage. So they had it in the Oscar Blues Brewery garage uh, in Lyons, Colorado. And it was, like uh, – and it was secret location and all this stuff. And I got to go to that thing and document it with my BlackBerry because I was doing, a, like, a BlackBerry endorsement at the time. And then when we when we got there, they were like, "All right, all cell phones off." <laughs> I was like, "Isn't BlackBerry putting this on? Are they gonna be a little pissed? Aren't I supposed to be doing something with this?" And uh, anyway, but dude, like the the ultimate like full circle thing, right? Like uh, they, Foo Fighters played for an hour and a half in that garage. That's rad for like forty people, and like and it was like insanely good man and like uh and like the banter and stuff too talking to the crowd i had like our, one of our salespeople was on the ground in front of an amp with her ear in the amp <laughs> like oh yeah like you know dave's like that's rad you know just like and uh and then they're, they're like they're coming to the end of the set and they're like all right we're gonna play one more song and then we're all gonna go get a beer and the crowd like had just like nothing to, nothing wrong with that. It was just like, you know, because they had been so freaking rocked. You yeah. know, just like, and they're just so, everybody was like, yeah! <laughs> just like, it was just like, that was amazing! So, play your song, let's get a beer! You know, it's like, like post-orgasmic chill almost, you know? Like, they're like, then then uh, so then we go out into the bar at the Oscar Blues Brewery, and I got to do a shot with Dave Grawl oh, and tell him rad. about watching Saturday Night Live and watching him crush those drums with Nirvana and like, you know, and how that's why I got into music and yeah. that's why I do what I do today. And the, the reason why I'm here is him, you know, and it's like, it was so cool. That's and so like, fucking rad. Little, little tequila and Dave Grawl. <laughs> I later bumped into him at a hotel in London. And I was Just like, randomly? Yeah. Wow. And I, I, and I, uh, and he was walking through the lobby and I was like, hey, Dave, Dave. I met you in Lions, and I'm like, I can't believe I just said that to Dave Grohl. <laughs> That's like the most random thing. I met you in Lions. He's like, oh yeah, that was a fun gig, you know. And just like, he's like the nicest dude in the world. That's cool so because cool. sometimes you don't know 
Yeah. But, you know, like their persona compared to who they actually are as people. Yeah, no. And there's there's some people that, like, I would not pee on if they were on fire. They're, like, horrible people. Yeah. And, like, you know, and then, like, and then there's Dave Grawl and, like, you know, a lot of people that would just give you the shirt off their back, like, the second they meet you. Just, like, the nicest, most genuine people. And and it is always really cool to, to meet uh, the, the nice ones and, like, yeah. and, and interesting to see who's kind of a dick and, like, yeah. you know. And, uh, but like, you know, it's a, and I, I, I like, I have a, a little bit of a skewed point of view on the whole thing. Cause it's like a lot of times they kind of have to kiss my ass a little yeah. bit. <laughs> like, yeah. like, don't piss off the guy that wants to play your songs. You know? yeah. like, uh, so they're like, you know, but, uh, but I, you pro- I mean, you, you know, if they kiss your ass and they're probably not kissing everybody else's ass, right. but you're cool with your team that's around you. So I'm sure you get to yeah. hear what comes back you know comes back oh to yeah you. no like, you, like, from you how they treat hear. those people yeah it's a and i've had like and i a, totally anonymous on this i'm not gonna say who but like this there was somebody that like was a like just a rancid dick to everyone in the room but me i think i know who this is i'm not i won't say it okay don't say because like <laughs> uh, uh, but like uh and it was like it was interesting though because like they knew like that i was the guy that was going to make a decision about their song i guess and like you know and like and just that Eddie Haskell, yeah. you know, like, hey, Nerf, you yeah. know, like, uh, that, like, and everybody else is yeah. being a dick. I was like, wow, man, how do you do that and yeah. live with yourself? You know, it's like, Ooh. it's like, by the way, I see that going on. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's like, like, I'm, like, I'm in the room right now. <laughs> I don't know who you think you're fooling, you know, yeah. it's like, but. I guess I think I've got that little asterisk in my head. Oh, but they were nice to me, but though. They were nice to me. Yeah, yeah. That's the L.A. thing right there. Yeah, maybe. All right, at this point of the podcast, Nerf had to take a brief break to record his afternoon radio show. And then he used the restroom. And then he came back and finished up the interview with me. All right, so the lightning round here. Hold on, hold on. Sean, for the benefit of your listeners, I just took, like, the longest pee. Second longest pee <laughs> I have ever taken. So, just wanted everyone to know that. I also took a very long pee. Yeah, that was I was holding back on that for a while. <laughs> Been putting that off for too long. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody in the background, you probably didn't pick it up. Like it just said, it smells like asparagus in here. <laughs> yes, right on. All right, so these are some questions That's I, a beer. I wanted to ask. Yeah, Nerf is getting down. We've talked so long that uh, it's about that time. It's about drink thirty. Drink thirty. Yeah. Um. How have you seen uh, have have you seen radio change since streaming? Um, yeah, probably not the same way you would think. Uh, we like, you know, we we do stream. Uh, like, uh, 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 the iHeartRadio app is like one of the, you know, the most used audio streaming services there is. So, like, uh, yeah, no, it's a uh, where we. You can't. It's you can't be Polaroid, right? You know, yeah. You don't want to like you know suddenly not have any kind of industry behind you. you yeah. Know? So it's like you gotta, uh, you know, be flexible enough to get into that. And we, I think we did a pretty good job of that. And um, and but I think the cool thing that's gonna save us from like nationally streaming sources uh, is the localisms and yeah. being part of the community. You know, like we we've talked about. It's like uh, uh, if you're if you're not serving a function in your community. Uh, as part of it, then then you could easily be replaced by a playlist or totally, you know, whatever. So uh, so we try and always play that role. Okay. So you think radio is going to survive um, through streaming? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, radio is great business. Uh, it's like uh, like I wish I owned this radio station. Like, yeah. like, it's like it's it's awesome. Uh, cash flow is great. We had like a the 
the Telecom Act of 92, like, kind of set things up for certain kinds of failure because, like, our uh, former company and the people that ran it, like, bought all sorts of radio stations, got very, very big, very fast, um, but did it on borrowed money. And uh, and so it's like there's a bit of a debt crisis okay. uh, for uh, our company and other companies um, that kind of did the same type of thing. Um, but, you know, we cash flow so much. It's like, you know, if you had a loan out to somebody and uh, they were paying you like millions and millions in interest and always making those interest payments, you know, it's like, you know, you wouldn't want that loan to go away. Yeah. It's like, you know, they, that's it's very lucrative for uh, the, the debt holders. And so, uh, you know, they're in the process of restructuring the debt and okay. stuff like that. And uh, we'll see where it all goes. And yeah. But I mean, it's, it's a lot healthier than you would guess. Yeah. You know, Cause like, it seems like out, like on the interwebs that people seem to think like people who don't, aren't in radio tend yeah. to talk like, Oh, radio is a dying thing. And, yeah, no, and like, so I just wanted to know the inside. Yeah, no, I mean, radio scoop. consumption is, is up almost every year since the seventies. Really? Yeah. So it's like, uh, um, it hasn't gone away. It's like, a, I mean, people do listen to a more variety of different things, but they, they spread out their audio entertainment all over the day. Now it's like not just in their car. It's like, you know, now it's at their desk quite a bit since there's such access to, to, you know, uh, all sorts of different audio at your desk, uh, headphones. I mean, I'm, I'm charging my Bluetooth headphones right now over yeah. there like in my setup. It's like, you know, I mean, how many people have you seen walk around with those beats headsets on, yeah. you know, it's like uh, in the airport, it's like everybody's wearing those things. So it's like, there's a lot of audio being consumed and, and still quite a bit of it is radio. So it's, okay. it's, which, yeah, it's so far so good. So all those people are wrong. Well, uh, I mean, it's scaled down a little, like we, like, uh, that we definitely don't spend as much on like staff and overhead okay. as we used to. Uh, but that's but, just, you know, is that just because technology in general has advanced also? Well, that has more to do with like the uh, media buy being spread out. You know, it's like people do spend money advertising on Facebook and uh, advertising on like, uh, you know, digital uh, media. Uh, it's not really that consumership is down as much as like just there's uh, uh, new and other and maybe sexier, new, newer ways to market your company. You okay. Know? So it's like, uh, uh, so, you know. The, uh, you know, we, uh, I don't know. It's, it's funny because TCL, like our trajectory has been total, totally converse to the, you know, any downswing in like the, uh, the amount of money radio has been made like because we've been steadily improving while radio like it, it has taken any kind of downturn that it's taken as far as how much money it makes. So it's like, uh, you know, we had our biggest year ever yeah. this year. So it's like, you know, it's kind of tough to say <laughs> like, yeah. Not much decline going on here. Yeah. So. I would. I mean, you just said it, but like, yeah. I mean, being a part of the community, yeah, makes people want to tune in. Yeah, totally. And then, yeah. So totally. in turn, it helps everybody out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. So I have some band questions. All right. Um, <clears throat> a minor. All right. A minor. How do uh, how do unsigned bands get played on your station? Or on on stations in general. On stations Just in general, unsigned bands out there. Yeah, it's it's going to be a little different because, like I said, not everybody opens their mail. Um, yeah. But like uh, you know, but I do. Uh, so like if uh, if you send it to me, I will definitely listen to it. I don't. I you know I try to get back to everybody and say like what I thought about the track. Um, and a lot of times it's like some bands aren't really looking for notes. Some bands are. Yeah. You know, so it's like uh, uh, sometimes I'm like I just get back and say like great track. 
I don't think there's anything I can do with it, you know, uh, like, uh, or, or, you know, like, uh, thanks for sending this, uh, you know, I'm going to pass right now. Uh, those are, these are the short ones. If they want some notes and I, like, uh, yeah. I might say what's right or wrong about it, you know, and, uh, um, what I liked and didn't like, um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, send it out there, Yeah, you know, like also take a listen to other things. I think a lot of bands, um, like, and maybe, maybe we add to this effect uh, because we do listen to everything and like, you know, and play a lot of, uh, unsigned artists. Like, uh, they'll like make a, a, a sloppy, crappy recording and send it to us. And they're like, what do you mean? You know, like, yeah. and I'm like, well, actually take a listen to like, you know, Amzi, take a listen to, you know, the, the production quality and like, and they, this is thought out meticulous professional level stuff that almost everybody has access to. Yeah. Uh, so it's like, uh, so you can't, you know, just like make a recording in your bedroom on a boom box and send it my way. And like, a, you know, and, and say like, but you did it for Amzy. It's like, Amzy tried a lot harder, you know, yeah. it's like, you know, it's like, a, you know, like that's, it's not the same thing. Uh, and like, you know, if, uh, you got to also listen to what's out there and what's working. It's like, we, and, and most radio stations avidly test their music with their audience. And so it's like, we don't do it just on a whim. It's like, you know, 21 pilots where if you don't like 21 pilots, we're not just playing them to torture you. There's a lot of people to do, you know? Yeah. And it's like, so, um, you know, it's like, if you, uh, it, it, if you sound like a combination of blues, rock, Southern rock and, uh, and country, uh, listen to what's playing on the station you're trying to get played on and and is it anything like that yeah. like uh you know maybe there's a different home for you maybe there's like you know uh uh yeah, maybe you need to rethink your band concept a little if like uh if it's something that's just kind of not timely you know yeah. uh, so uh, uh you know that's uh to do a good job of listening to what's working and, uh, you know, and, uh, and then, but I mean, at the same time, it's like, don't just do something cause it's hot. Like, you know, if, if that's not what you're, what speaks to you, then, you know, it's your art. You yeah. Know, do what you, what you want. Um, but you know, if you like banging trash can lids together and that's what's coming out of your heart, you know, it's like, it doesn't mean everybody's yeah. going to dig it. You know, yeah. it's like, uh, um, don't know, expect yeah. to get played on. Yeah, we've had, uh, there's been some artists over the years that have been like really crazy, just like, wow. You t yeah, and like, and take themselves very, very seriously at the same time, just like these. Uh, but uh, I mean, it's not always like avant garde. Like, uh, there's, I don't know, I don't want to get into this actually. Like, you know, but like, it's a, like, um, you know, it's just funny when somebody's like, what do you mean that wouldn't work? You know, yeah. and it's just the most ridiculous crap they send yeah. you. Like, you know, like dude, they're not objective enough. Yeah, there's like there's no rhythm or melody or music to this. You know, like, yeah. like dude, this is very experimental, ridiculous. <laughs> this is you talking over somebody tearing pages in the background. Yeah, you know, it's like exactly. You yeah. know, there's a lot of stuff that you get sent, and you're just like, wow. And it, it's just funny when they get indignant about it and say like, what are you? How can you possibly not hear a hit in this? Yeah whoa you know it's like yeah. wow um but you know people get very much into what they do and it's like you know you can't blame them for that either you know but uh so if um, people are gonna send you stuff oh the how process, would you prefer yeah. email or mail yeah uh try not to send me a large file sometimes i can kind of crash some stuff and like you know uh take up a lot of space but if like you got a link to a file like uh you know i don't mind downloading something to listen to it uh that's definitely the best way it's easier to keep track of stuff like that than sending a cd you know that's yeah. a, not many people sending C cds in yeah. the industry anymore it's like that's uh i mean 
sometimes like majors will still send out a CD because yeah. they can afford it and like you know why not uh, just for those dinosaurs that are still listening to see only <laughs> CDs in their music meetings and stuff you know but um, but yeah I'm happy to stream a song I'll ask you for it if uh, if I want an actual file to test it or something like that you know it's uh, so SoundCloud link is fine you know like a don't mind that. Okay. But uh, but yeah, send it out there and send it to A and R's. It's like you'd be surprised. They're kind of like the the hot chick that doesn't get asked to prom because everybody's yeah. like, you know. That's a, that's funny because you know AMZ hasn't even done that because hmm. we just assume that that they're looking for you or like, well yeah they, just they like they, no, they don't even care you know like they're just like nah no like, you just it. assume they're you know out there like searching send it and wear them down a little I mean like that yeah. uh, like. Uh, if you've got a long intro, always don't send a song with a long intro. Like even if you need to make an edit that you can like, you know, it, on the album, it can have a long intro. Sure. But like, if you're sending a single, get to the chorus as fast as you possibly can, the hook, um, and like, a, you know, and send somebody a nice concise thing and like a little bit about the band and like, uh, uh, but mostly they're going to listen to the music. And if they think there's something there, then they'll, they'll get back to you, you know, but then follow up as best you can too. A lot of legwork involved, you know. Yeah. You got to like get in their face, and uh, sometimes you don't hear a song the first time, and like, uh, uh, and the second listen is when it really drives home. Uh, AWOL Nation, I listened to, and it, uh, it once in my office, and over the course of a weekend, the song just rattled around my head. Uh, uh, sale is what I'm talking yeah. about, like, it, and it like just it it didn't leave me, and like, and so by the time I finally got back to the office, I'm like, I have to hear that again. Um, but like a lot, a lot of times it's like that second listen that drives it home. And so yeah. it's like, you know, ask them if they listen to it, if they can react, you know, whatever. And, and so, keep pestering so them kind of be annoying about it. Yeah. You know, you can do it, do it with some courtesy. Don't write them a long email. Cause they yeah. uh, like, that'll get daunting. And they'll be like, oh, I didn't read that, you know, like, yeah. uh, but you know, say, Hey, just check it in. Did you, did you get a chance to listen to that track and see what they say? Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So, um, what do you think? Uh, Send the, it to other radio stations too, you know? Like, yeah. Why not? I mean, the worst thing that can happen is they actually, I think the F worst so thing that can happen is they say, that's great. And then don't do anything with it. Yeah. You know, so find like the, the nerfs of that station or like any, like you just seek out their email on their website basically. Well, yeah. Or, uh, a lot of times the program director and the music director will also be on air. Like, uh, that happens more often than not these okay. days in, in the industry. Uh, so like, uh, and you can always Google like, you know, if you're like, okay, uh, KFMA in Tucson. Who's the program director? You can just Google PD KFMA, and usually it'll come up. Like some trade publication or something like that will have it. Uh, can ask around too. Like you know, uh, if you happen to hit up one station in a, that's owned by a company, uh, but like your song makes more sense for another one, though. A lot of times, you know, is there another station in your market that you'd recommend we approach? Things like that. If anybody gets back to you, start a dialogue with them. You know, they'll uh, they'll respect that. I mean, it's like, uh, um, you know, it's it, the the world needs motivated artists. Yeah. Know? So it's totally. uh, it's yeah. Uh, so that's it's a good thing. Awesome. Uh, what do you think? Sorry, let me re say this. What's the best thing a band can do to get noticed these days? And what's the worst? This is a West question. Best thing a band can do to get noticed. I mean, or artists. Band or artist? Have a hit, man. <laughs> yeah. Be undeniable. Yeah, I mean, it's... At the end of the day, 
it's what's in your bag, as my friend Ed Brennan from uh, Atlantic Records says. It's like, uh, you know, it's he can walk in here and be Atlantic's top guy. He can walk in here and be the best hype man. He can walk in here with a band that is made up of breathtaking women. Uh, he can be like whatever. And if he doesn't have a hit, he doesn't have a hit. Yeah, there's not much I can do with it. You know, it's like I, I work in audio. <laughs> I can like you know that like if there's a band that has some really interesting thing about it, uh, they always love to tout that you know yeah. to you and stuff. And like you're like, well, yeah, but the song sucks, and that's yeah. what people are gonna hear. And like you know, it's like they they're not gonna wait around to the end of the song when I come back and say that was you know deep jimmy and the zep creams and like you know they, they've all been shot multiple times isn't that fascinating they're not going to make it to that part because they just bailed on the song yeah. you know uh so like uh it's it's a little like construction you know uh measure twice hammer once you yeah. know write twice record once you know like uh uh it's nowhere like especially post folk i would say songwriting has gotten uh very very important uh, one thing that the folk wave did for music is it made people focus on the writing. It's like, because there's not much interesting in folk music. It's like just kind of acoustic guitar, maybe a banjo, and, yeah, you know, uh, not reinventing the wheel there. You know, it's not Rush. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like, you know, it's not these spectacular arrangements or anything. Um, but it's incredible songwriting that made those songs hits. Yeah. And it really comes through when they're that naked and exposed. And yeah. Like, so... So write like crazy, write a ton of songs, uh, pick them apart, rewrite them, edit them, uh, you know, go nuts. Because the more writing you do, uh, the, the, the more you'll have to draw from to make a song out of like multiple parts or multiple ideas yeah. or, uh, and then, and you know, and if it doesn't, if this band doesn't take off and you've got a lot of writing experience or a catalog of songs or whatever, you can take that to the next band. Uh, and you can also work with other bands on songs you've written. And that's like, you know, kind of the industry consolation prize, you know, like yeah. in a way, but it's also like very, 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 very common that bands work with writers now. Yeah. Uh, and like, and there's a little thing going on in the industry that I'm not a big fan of where like uh, an A&R guy will have, will also manage a bunch of writers. And so he'll like, uh, he'll, he'll find a band that he likes their sound. Uh, and maybe they're writing too, but he'll always like recommend one of his writers work with them. And then he gets a kickback from like yeah. you know whatever that writer makes, and like so it's like which is you know wouldn't fly under FCC law, but it, at uh, uh, you know record labels, it's like you know they they don't seem to mind. That That's that cool happens. with them. Yeah, but uh, so like write, 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 write. So song is king. Yeah, I mean, and uh, uh, you know I've heard people say it's like a, a hit is hard to find. Yeah, you know, so it's like never stop writing. It's like if you've got your set. You know, that you're going to go out and play in front of people and stuff. That's great. You know, you got like a good hour of music. Awesome. But like always be working on new songs, always like be writing and, and like, you know, uh, find the next one, the, ne the next and bigger one. Every successful band I've ever met has an easy time writing and like gets a bunch of songs demoed and tends to have some technical skill to like, you know, to, to get them down uh, in a format where they can like, you know, uh, get to a studio and, and, and record a better version of that. But like, yeah. you know, um, the successful bands are good writers and, uh, uh, and constant writers and like have, uh, a lot of songs that they may or may not use. Yeah. Not 
not a band where like every song they've ever written is in their set. You yeah. Know? Uh, like it, because it, it just, you know, that's the, t- the tendency is like yeah. uh, good writers end up with long careers. I've heard, uh, do you know Chris Stapleton? Mm-hmm. So he used to be like, not a, well, not personally, <laughs> but you guys don't hang out. No. no. Um, I heard a, a podcast with him and he was a, a writer in Nashville and he said he would write for every 10 songs he wrote, one song would be good. Yeah. And that's basically, you know, like he spent years doing that and that's how he made his first album and just blew up. Yes. Yeah. He didn't really care about, he just made the album to make the album, but he mm. took his best songs and put them on there. So my, uh, my favorite band of all time nowadays is bad religion. Yeah. And like, uh, and I, there's another bucket list moment for me. I, uh, sat at Brett Gerwitz's desk. It, it, he's, uh, the, one of the founding members of bad religion, a uh, guitarist. And he also started Epitaph records. And so I was at Epitaph for a meeting with him and, uh, and he, and like his receptionist kind of says like, uh, Brett, I think they call him Mr. Brett, actually. Mr. Brett, like, uh, uh, like new songs came in from Greg, and I'm like, you know, I'm a hardcore fan. So I'm like, Greg Graffin just sent you some new songs? I'm like, oh, my God. You know, it's like, I'm just salivating. I'm like, oh, my God, what did I give to hear those songs? And he's like, come here. And he's like, and we just went up to his desk, and he, like, uh, and he played, demoed out songs from Greg Graffin, sending him to Brett Gerwitz in Bad Religion, just like any, and, uh, and he sent five MP3s, and he went through and listened to maybe 30 seconds of each one and dismissed four out of the five and said, like, four knows one maybe. And that was <laughs> so, and that's like, that's Bad Religion, who's 15, 16 albums deep. Yeah. Thir- at the time, like a 35 year old band. They've been doing this for a long ass time. And that's Professor Greg Graffin. <laughs> Sending the the uh, the founder of Epitaph Records these five songs, and like and it, it, and dismissed him like it was nothing, man. Like and it, so it's like that's the kind of like thick skin you have and you have to have, and the kind of like production of these songs. It's like yeah. if you get a song that's got a, a future, you can tweak it, you can fuck with it until it's like it's right, but. You know the so- the core has to be there. Yeah. It's like, and so it's like, rattle off as many songs as you can. Have a have binders full of them. You know, yeah. just like go to town on the writing. Okay. So key. Awesome. Yeah. On that note, what do you think? What's your opinion of a great song mm. or a hit song? Oh, that's with your things. with your your, <laughs> your golden golden ears. Um, man, you know, like every. Most of the time, I take a step back and say, "Is this cool? Like, do you like this? Does this have an appeal? You know, does it get in my face? Does it like? Uh, does it make me go like, ooh? You know, like there and and that's really hard to put your finger on. I mean, like the, uh, you know, there's definitely some mechanics and stuff to it. You know, there's a there's a science to to making a hit song. It's like if you, your song doesn't have a chorus, it's going to be very difficult for people to remember it." The one of the key attributes you look for is like by the end of the first time you listen to a song, can you kind of sing along to it? Yeah, you know. If not, then it's like a, a, nothing imprinted in your brain, right? Yeah. Um, I personally I like songs with very odd tempos. 
Like I, I like songs that are either very, very slow or very, very fast. And like, uh, and that's, that blows my hair back, but it's probably because I listen to so much music. I get a little bored with something standard, Yeah, you know? Uh, and like, I, I'm, I don't know how it is with most programmers or people that work in music a lot, but like, you know, I have terrible taste. I mean, it's like things that like do blow my mind are like unlistenable to most people, you know, it's like, uh, like I, you know, so like good versus hit are two kind of different things. I got to put on my hit ears to listen to that. You know, it's like, um, but like, you know, so the catchiness definitely is a huge, huge thing. Does it kind of, does it fit like, uh, um, Foo Fighters, you know, like we said, doesn't really fit our station that much anymore other than the classics that are super familiar. Um, Whereas like, uh, like, you know, five finger death punch, we could not get away with it, but some alternative rock stations could, you know? Okay. Um, like, uh, you know, so the fit has a lot to do with it. Like, uh, um, like what else makes a hit? I mean, it's gotta be somewhat timely. Like, uh, uh, like it's, it's gotta sound like stuff that's happening today, you know, like the, the, uh, but I mean like you can get a song. I mean, like in theory, there could be a polka that is just yeah. badass, and like you know, and people get into it. Yeah. You know, um, if it's that song, if it's was, that polka, was Mumford and Sons like that polka? Totally was that polka. Yeah, for me. I you know I was dead last on Mumford and Sons. Really? You look up the word wrong in the dictionary, and there's like <laughs> a picture of me like holding Sino More with my thumb down, going like. <laughs> I mean, like I think when I put it into when I finally gave up and added it, it was number one on the charts. That was like, uh, I'm like, no, no, no. And I'm like, okay, I suck. <laughs> and like, and so I put it in and I like, instead of putting sign no more in the album thing and our, like uh, our programming software, I put like hell to my ears or something <laughs> like that. I couldn't stand it. Um, and now I don't mind it. You know, it's like, a, it's still, it's not, not exactly my cup of tea, but it's like, uh, you know, you don't have to be right about everything. And in fact, I think one of the best things about a good, or one of the best characteristics you can have as a program director is being able to say you're wrong. Yeah. Um, and like, uh, and, and then like, and understand why you were wrong. You know, yeah. it wasn't just Mumford and Sons. It was like the folk thing was happening. It was like, you know, guitar was dying. Like folk was uh, uh, coming up. And then like, you know, there wouldn't have been a, uh, you know, a Lumineers, uh, a like, you know, uh, Win in the wave and like it, you know, uh, family was uh, the one, uh, the oh hellos, oh hellos. There wouldn't have been like, uh, uh, the what's the other one, hero, I'll never be your hero. It was in that I, movie about the kid growing up that followed him his whole life. That uh, oh, uh, uh, Ray, family of the year, Ray Lamontagne, no, family oh, okay. of the year, family of the year, yes, hero by family of the year. There wouldn't have been that, there were like, you know, that that explosion was like very big and like and and i i took my lesson of like okay i totally missed a hit with uh mumford and sons added the next mumford and sons like right out of the gate you know it's like, uh, like yep it's in go for it you know the cave i'm in you know like, yeah. i don't like it but whatever <laughs> people do maybe i don't get it but they do um you know and like so you, you got to learn your lessons and then lean into it and like uh, you know for what the audience wants and yeah so uh um you know that's that's definitely key and uh yeah so what was the original question again like, that uh, that was right yeah pretty much it okay yeah what what is a you know what to you makes a hit song or a great song? right yeah so. yeah no it's a, a in my playlist though man like the stuff i listen yeah. to is like so you yeah i mean you answered it i mean you said you have your hit ears you put on yeah totally. yeah mm -hmm. so you can be objective with like yeah what 
you like your taste compared to like what your listeners might like. Yeah. You mentioned the Oh Hellos. That was an interesting year. I think what was that 2012, 2014 maybe? Uh, like the, uh, they, uh, uh, do you remember uh, Dave Herrera? He used to write for Westward. I do not. Okay, he uh, a great local music supporter, like awesome guy, uh, smart dude. We were on the phone together, and we were just kind of like playing a little game of like my song's better than your song, you know, like uh, and like you know playing each other stuff like through Spotify or whatever, and like and uh, and he said like, man, somebody played this song for me, and I was like, why isn't that on the radio? And he's like, and he's like, look up the Oh Hellos, and I did, and I was like, uh, and I, and like, you know, ten seconds into the song, I'm like. What well, is now? I'm like, you yeah. know, it's like two thirty. I'm like, I I'm got my shift at three, and I'm I'm putting this on the air. You know, it's like, so I wrote the band an email through their Bandcamp account and said like, you know, hey, um, my name is Nerf. I'm with the radio station in Denver. Uh, like, uh, um, you know, get back to me if you don't want me to play this song on the air because I'm gonna play it. It's a beautiful song, and you know, I'm gonna gonna put it on there. And and so I did. Uh, they saw these immediate spikes and everything and just like went crazy. And finally he started emailing me back, Tyler. And like, uh, and we started a conversation about it and stuff. And they were like super, super, super independent and did not want to sign a label. And like labels were falling all over themselves to sign that band. Really? I was getting like, I, and I like total anonymity. There was band, there was label reps saying like, what do you want? You want $20,000 to get this band to sign with our label? I'm like, I can't take that money. That's illegal. You know, it's like, it, like, like obscene things. They were stalking them on Facebook. They were like, you know, just, it was ridiculous. And like, uh, and, and they all, still weren't having it. And they weren't having it, man. Eventually they got a booking agent and eventually they like, uh, um, signed a manager and stuff. But I mean, they literally waited so long and eventually came out on canvas back, I think, uh, um, which is a Atlantic, property uh but it was like too late you know it like they like the folk thing had kind of subsided uh like uh and i like we and kbco were the only two stations to have ever played the song but i mean they were selling 1200 mp3s a week wow in denver that's, just in denver that's a lot yeah i mean like <laughs> I, like and it was like that was such a smash and i had like i was in new york and like i had these label guys texting me going like get up to my office no get up to my office and like you know just to talk to me because i have access to this band it was nuts man it was just made for a really crazy year you know it was wild and like you know and i and i they're and they're still such a great band have yeah. you ever seen them they're like no i haven't seen they live here now right yeah a bunch of them do yeah 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 and like, but they're, they're still a band, though, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. And they're on. You said they're on a label now. I don't know if they still are because it kind of went. It didn't go anywhere. Like, uh, you know, it kind of fizzled when it finally got there. Because, I mean, timing. You know, it's yeah. like there was they they if they had done it when like you know these label guys were going crazy over them, like they would have put a lot of money into it and they would have like you know that band would have exploded. Yeah. But, like. Uh, yeah, no, they they didn't want to play the game, and maybe they they have no regrets about that, you know, because like they weren't really doing it for the money, and they yeah. like, uh, and you know, they're really interesting kids, that's for sure. That's that's cool that they stuck to their guns, because it's yeah, that's yeah. I mean, like, thing. I don't know. There's, I, I think there's every musician eventually has this conversation where somebody says like, well, that's great, but do you want to do this for a living? Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, like let's, you know, do you want to be an artist? and a burger flipper or like yeah. you know it's like kind of one of those things it's like uh, and you know it's kind of compelling you do want to do it for a living you know it's yeah. like you, you want to only do that you totally. know like 
So it's I I can't blame people for wanting to make money at it. You know. Yeah. Totally. So, yeah. Um. <clears throat> all right. Final three questions here. Oh my goodness. On your musical journey mm-hmm. slash life journey, was there any books that kind of like that you would recommend? Oh wow. There's lots of books I'd recommend. Um. Yeah. Just a recent one. Uh, Ready Player One. Ready Player One. Oh, that's the They're making a movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's and it was it's gonna be a really cool movie. Uh, like just uh, based on the the book, it was fantastic. It was a great read. Um, Phoebe Robinson's book is really is is like somewhat funny and very eye opening as far as like race relations and things like that. And okay. Being a black woman in the in the America and um, that's pretty fascinating stuff. Uh, there's a. Uh, a great book if you're into punk rock called Our Band Could Be Your Life. And like uh and it like digs deep into little micro scenes and stuff like that and follows bands like Minor Threat and like uh Minutemen and, you know, uh Husker Du and stuff like that and uh bands that never got huge but like uh were very important for their time and Yeah. Um formative stuff. I don't know, there's a there's a lot of I think I think people should. There's a, ba- a book called Nickel and Dimed. I want to say it's Barbara Ehrenreich is the author. Uh, fascinating book about trying to live on minimum wage. Okay. Um, and I think uh, that one of the most critical topics in our in, in the next couple of generations is going to be uh, 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 like economic equality and and inequity and um, you know I think that's pretty vital stuff and yeah. uh, you know people think that if you have a job you can get by and yeah. that's not necessarily that, true and that's what i've noticed like living in colorado and it's getting older people and uh my family mm. and me being a musician it's like well when i was your age i owned a home and i had two kids and i was right. like well uh <laughs> yeah it's you could make like minimum wage back then you could you could live on yeah you could have a factory job and have a new car every other year you yeah. know and like uh and own a home and just the cost of living in in Denver in Colorado, yeah, it's insane. Yeah, it's it is crazy. It's uh, you know, so yeah, I think that's uh, that's an interesting little look into the kind of like uh, you know, a woman like trying to like she she's an author, but she like kind of embeds herself as a like a, a housekeeper and tries to like make ends meet, you know, and like uh, and it's it's an interesting experiment experiment and like you know, so wow, you like we kind of blame the poor for being poor in this country, and it's like. She's working her ass off, and yeah. it's just not not happening. You know. What's the name of that book? Uh, Nickled and Dime. Nickled and Dime. Okay. Yeah. I'm definitely gonna check that out. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I actually gave a copy to Tim McElrath from Rise Against once. Really? Yeah, because it was right after uh, Swing Life Away came came out. It has a line about we get by just fine here on minimum wage, and I was like, I'm like, I want to give you this book. I did it in an interview. Uh, it's about not being able to get by just fine <laughs> on minimum wage. And then like the next time they toured through town, he like, he brought it back to me. I was like, oh, I was giving you that, man. You didn't need to like give that back. And, so that was. Uh, Did he read it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, he said awesome. he, he said he found it really eye-opening. It was it's a, it's a good book. I'm definitely gonna check it out. Yeah. All right. So this is a two-part question, kind of the same. Um, so I can only do one part. Of it. <laughs> what advice uh, would you give someone trying to get into radio? Oh, okay. Yeah, be patient. It takes a long time to make a decent living at radio. It's like a, uh, there's not many internship programs anymore, so it's like makes it even tougher to get your foot in the door. But if you get a promotions job and stuff like that, stick with it and then be engaged in anything you can. Like you get, uh, you know, you're just driving the van, uh, but 
don't like be the clock puncher that like, you know, okay, uh, I made it here. Give me my pack of stickers. I'm going to go out to the uh, grand opening of the Jiffy Lube and like, you know, and then I'm coming right back and I'm going to drop my stuff off and go home. Like, Get uh, get with other people and say like, hey, music director, you know what? Uh, what are you doing? Can you tell me how to do that? Is there anything I can do to help you? Is there like, a, you know, and you know, there's going to be some hourly restrictions, and there's a lot of, you know, if you want to move up, there's it tends to be like you got to not think about the making money part of it, and yeah. like just like really engage in learning how to do stuff, and uh, and once you are doing it, you know, on the regular, then it's like uh, then people like suddenly they rely on your services, and that's kind of how you get a job. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. like oh, now you are our music director because you were asking about this the whole time, and we've been giving you more and more responsibilities. And like everybody's super busy and has like you know lots to do, so there's like there's definitely ways to kind of like nestle your way in and and become you know uh, indispensable and like uh, and so that's kind of how you do it. And like uh, and then you. You know, like I said, patience, because it's, you know, I, it was my first contract. <laughs> oh, my God. I signed a contract, a year deal, to work at KTCL for $18,500 a year. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That was, and I was like, a contract. Yes. Yeah. It's like, wow. You know, so it's like, that's that's tough and that was like and i felt like i made it you know yeah. like i was like oh i'm full time baby <laughs> under contract and like you know and it's like that's that's kind of you know how you start it's like it doesn't it's not the the, the thing that pays a ton it's you know it's not yeah. an industry that's everybody gets super rich on unless yeah. unless you're like that one tiny shred of one percent that like you know can you know the the uh, like the Howard Stearns out there. Yeah, Ryan Seacrest. Uh, yeah, you know, stuff like that. They, you know that they you get big, but like uh, um, but you know not most of us don't. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So second part, kind of the same question, but um, what advice would you give young artists slash bands trying to make it? Uh, that that thing I said about writing, take that to to, to heart. You know, it's like I, most bands I was in, we didn't spend much time on it. And have you heard of any of the bands I was in? Of course not. You know, it's like, a, uh, you know, just writing is very, very key. Uh, and, and like, and have fun with it. I mean, like, you know, if, if it becomes all work and no fun, then it's like, why would you do it? You know, it's like, yeah. uh, uh, don't be afraid of failure, you know, like if, it, uh, or, take criticism too hard you know it's like you gotta have a thick skin and, and like you're gonna have people that don't know shit about your art telling you that you suck yeah and like and it's like you gotta let it go and like try and actually learn from it like even if it doesn't make any damn sense you know i had one band that i was trying to help get signed and that like the, the uh, a&r at the time wrote in this like kind of rambling email uh, about a song that they did and at first glance I was like yeah this guy's off his rocker man I don't know what he's talking about here he's like he's losing his own point and like and then uh, and then I dug in and I was like wait 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 no there are nuggets of truth in this and it's like you know, things this band should take to heart and it was like and I kind of like I, I played the role of intermediary there where I was like okay see where he says um, like uh, uh, that this song isn't constructed like a hit it's because it's meandering and it's like, and he's looking for something with a little more structure to it. And like, uh, and like, you know, kind of like translated it into something they could hear. And it's like, you know, maybe that's what managers are for, you know, maybe that's a, uh, you know, uh, uh, a role that they can play and like, and work your way through that stuff, but try and dig through 
bad criticism and find what you can actually use. Yeah. You know, um, don't like, and, but don't jerk the wheel too much. If like, if you really feel like something you're doing is like on and like, and you love it and you think it's like, it's got a future and it's got uh, like a, a fan base out there somewhere just has to find it. Uh, don't take the first bad criticism and like, just say like, okay, scuttle this, blow it up, you know, yeah. like, like, it, you know, put it in front of a few people and like, you know, maybe that person doesn't get it, but maybe somebody will and like, uh, and we'll run with it, you know? Um, so yeah, there's, uh, there's those two pieces. Uh, try and deroach your practice facilities <laughs> as best you can. <laughs> the worst places on <laughs> earth man are practice spaces they it's, are it's disgusting i went in one one time and there was a a mouse stapled like a dead mouse stapled to the wall that is not in a shred not the slightest <laughs> bit sean is that surprising <laughs> this lady uh, well yeah. on that note yeah Thanks for doing this with me, man. I really appreciate it. Dude, banding with Amzie. I yeah, love it, man. Thank, thanks for uh, being here. Is there anywhere people can check you out on, on the social medias? On the social medias. Uh, my favorite is Twitter. So, like, uh, I'm at DJ Nerf on Twitter. Awesome. Uh, I, I tweet. Also, uh, uh, Punk Tacos. I got, like, a Punk Tacos Punk account. Tacos. If you see Punk Tacos and DJ Nerf um, going back and forth, that is literally me talking to myself and like, and like you know, don't be fooled, uh, <laughs> like, which I will do. Like, you know, like this is punk nerf talking to regular nerf and uh, saying some outlandish shit. And, and like, you know, that's uh, that's what I do. That's but, uh, you know, like punk tacos is so like my labor of love. Like, you know, I love punk music. And like and so like I, you know, I program it. It doesn't have any commercials. It's like. It's free and so, commercial free and plays like twenty two songs an hour. You get to play. <laughs> you know, you get a, do you get to play that music we were talking about earlier? The stuff that, that nobody the, would like but yeah. me. Yeah, well, some of it. <laughs> I, there's a band called Piss Jeans that like it's this caustic screaming debacle, and it's like you know, and Jesus Lizard. I play Jesus Lizard on there too, and like <laughs> these are band know. names. Yeah, I love it. Oh my god, yeah. Piss we, Jeans. We played Jesus new Lizard. Piss Jeans as like a single. Like you know, I was like, I'm so proud. I'm like you know, and like I'm like, yeah, we're playing piss jeans. Damn right, we're playing piss jeans. <laughs> we got the grapes to play piss jeans. Play some piss jeans. Exactly, and uh, you know, but yeah, no, there's also shit that I can't play on there because it's not really punk, like Death Grips, and like I love that stuff. Clipping is another artist. It's rad. Like, uh, uh, ooh, uh, Igor with three R's. Igor. Igor. <laughs> uh, it's like uh, it's this. It's kind of metal, but it's 100% produced on a computer, you can tell. And it's like, and it's so fast and tweaked out and ridiculously complicated. It's just awesome. It's just a, a amazing feats of production and, and like, you know, and creativity. Because this guy, like, doesn't let an instrument slow him down in, like, you know, how fast he can change from one thing to another and how fast, what sounds he can put in it, how, like, how, how polyrhythmic it can be and how, like, crazy it is. I mean, Listen to Igor. You get, you'll get it. You might not like it, but you'll understand exactly what he's going for. Like yeah. the second you listen to it, it's like uh, overproduction one hundred and one. It's like it's crazy. <laughs> uh, love that stuff, you know. Awesome. But I like uh, the, the thing. If you listen to a lot of music, you go for rarities. You know? Yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I, I'm trying to think of anything else to say. Awesome. Two hours in, I think Two we hours. might have said enough. Boom. Thanks, Nerf. Thanks again. <laughs> Thank you, Manny with Anzi. Ah, 
Awesome, there it is. I would like to thank our guest, Nerf, for coming on and sharing his story. If you like what you heard, please like and subscribe. Leave us a comment. And to stay up to date with all of AMSI's info, please follow us at amzimusic.com. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Um, and I'll see you all real soon. Take it easy. <laughs>